and welcome to another episode of the Raging Marks Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, TNK, with me. Ravishing Randy, I was gone for the last episode, I think TNK maybe missed me a little too much, or Ramsey abused you, uh... Quite a, a bit in your little TNA ago. episode. I actually put it out of my mind. Lots happened since then, so. Oh, you're trying to have short-term memory? No, I did. Just... Dude, Ramsey. It's your job. By the way, good to see you again, buddy. Three jobs. Uh, nice seeing you guys back together. I was going to say, well, we were at the Wildcat show, which, by the way, we, we haven't really done a show since uh, we got to go to Wildcat. I wouldn't mind touching on that briefly for the audience, the listening audience, just kind of our uh, regional wrestling promotion that we have, but it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, no, I got to show support for local wrestling, but I was going to say, Ramsey, the entire time that uh, we were there before you met up with us, TAK was like, I'm never doing another show without you again. He's like, <laughs> Ramsey was so Ramsey was so mean to me. Mean. I was like, just, <laughs> he just laid into me the entire time and made fun of TNA the entire time, ruined my show. I was like, honestly, TNK, I might have thrown a few jabs in there too if I were there. So you know, maybe it was a good thing Keep I wasn't there. <laughs> hey, look, but dude, first day, first day, everything he was talking about, it was talking about what bad about the company, and I was just like, I was just like highlighting it. It's even worse. <laughs> You know, but he was talking about a whole list of what's negative about the company. And I was just like, and I just like, when he was talking, they was just like, damn, they follow the, the WCW footprint. You know, they're doing this. They're, oh, yep, WCW did that. Oh, yep. It, it just seemed like it just. No, that's true. Well, like, they just follow. It was like, hey, TNA, look, you can have joy with TNA, but to to an outside person like me, it's WCW gave you the footprint how not to run a fucking organization. And it's like they ran that book well, to well, the like, T it to to run that organization. It's funny that you bring that up because I have a book um, that basically talks about the the fall of WCW and like what went on during the Monday Night Wars and everything like that. And it was like when it was first printed, um, they had they basically had like tips if you're starting a wrestling promotion, like don't do this, don't do that. When they did the reissue of the book, which is the version that I have. I think it, they released this right around, or re-released it around 2011, 2012. So this is when TNA was still kind of this in was... the picture. They basically took all the notes from that, and they were like, look, TNA, this is an example right here. Do not do this. Like, do not do this. I see what you're doing right now, and you're doing pretty much that. Don't do that. Well, they even had some uh, things out there for WWE at the time because WWE falling into some of those tropes back in that see, time too. See, like you, I learned some things. Like I learned some things from your Kurt, and one of the things I learned was I didn't know they to- they didn't tour. Mm, no. And right when he said they didn't tour, I'm like, well, how are you making money? Well, they weren't. We're losing money touring because they weren't making the money in the ticket sales, and that, we got an argument about that, but. Yeah, but I, I also money. wonder, though, sometimes the venues that they rented out for these shows, if they were the, the appropriate venues. They just weren't getting ticket sales. Like, here's the thing. Like, TN, like, my thing with TNA that I wanted to touch upon that was, I think, the big highlight about TNA was that in its prime, it was legit alternative. So the numbers that AEW is pulling right now, now, mind you, a lot of people cut the cord. It's been 10 years. Uh, TNA was getting those same numbers, 900,000s, the 1 millions, uh, you know, within, like, the 2009, 2010 area right right around that so to me you look at what aew is now and to me that was tna you know 2009 circa that area when you had when it was before, at its before hogan and bishop it was a legit know. alternative to wb when wb sucked and i prefer tna over WWE at that time that's why i'm a big you know proponent for the tna crew but to your point 
Um, yeah, if you if, if you if you're at Universal Studios or wherever they were at, and you just have a continuous show, yeah, that's great. You have different bodies and you can record in one day. That's great. That that actually saves money. But what money are you bringing in? There is no money. So how are you paying all these contracts and all these all these uh, big well, names? Spike TV paid Kurt Angle's and Sting's contracts because they were the big stars on their network at the time. It wasn't mm-hmm. TNA paying for them. And you're really just producing advertisement money when you get those numbers of 1 million viewership or 900,000. You can promote that to advertisers and sponsors. Yeah, how are you making money outside that from... Um, it doesn't make sense because they did when Hogan came on. They did the touring. They just weren't. Make, they were losing money because they weren't getting the tickets. It was, it was too. It, you can if you don't have a culture of touring and, and people knowing your product besides on TV. It, it's kind of brings a different way how to like see things because like I would not go to a house show for WWE because it's not the same product. But then again, right around that time too, TV. I wasn't going to WWE shows either unless it was a pay per view. Yeah, but so. there's other people that you go into small towns and people go. They're going to sell out the place because this is the only way they can get to see that the wrestlers live. When there is not a product of knowing that you're touring, it's going to be kind of hard. AEW has that problem now. They really don't tour as much just for their te- for their Two t- tapings every week, that's or one taping. That's why a lot of wrestlers like this because it's a lighter schedule, and they got a fuck yeah. ton of, on their roster to begin with. I think but that's actually a good thing. Too, it is but. a good thing, but also here's a bad thing, <laughs> too, about that is, you know, if you're talking about how, like, back in the day, how WCW was on borrowing money, where they were just on the dime of uh, Ted, Ted Turner. Turner, you're on the dime of Tony Khan. It's not... It's not what is it? Um, Sir Khan's father. Shamir, it's not Tony Khan's money. It's his father's This is money. his father's money. And let me tell you, there's only so far he's going. Because if you go look for the, uh, his his uh, track his record, track record look, at, look at the Jaguars. Don't look at the Jaguars. Go to England and go look at Fulham uh, Football Club and go see how much he really spends on that shit. So, yeah, no. The future does not look good we'll unless you start making some money and bringing some money in. So, like, unless TNT, well, not TNT, let's say what it is, Discovery HBO Plus. and uh, HBO Discovery comes in and actually puts the money into this shit, the future is going to it's 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 run it's going to kind of run the same way as TNA and, and WCW has because it's going to run out of money. Well, that's what I was trying to tell them too. I was telling them that like there's only been. WCW, throughout its existence, from like 88 to 2001, it was only profitable two years. Now, mind you, they could have been profitable a lot more if they weren't spending money, like Ted Turner's money, like a fucking, you know, getting rid of it as fast as they got it. Right. But they were more smarter with their money. They didn't give these uh, superstars crazy contracts like Virgil, 140000 a year to do nothing, or like the uh, the uh, Ralphus paying him like 70000 or 100000 just to mm-hmm. do whatever. Yeah. But... As much as they lost money the WCW had, they still came on top at, at some point. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day... That's we had another debate. Because even though they were ratings, beating them in the ratings, I still think WWE was probably profitable through the fact they were doing the house shows. They were selling probably more merchandising. Dude, yeah, but this was on the verge of... Bankruptcy 97, yeah. yes. Yeah. Or 96 and 97. They were doing their job. They were trying to. They're, they're, the money. whole point was for them was to overtake WWF. They did that 
for what 63 weeks no, 83, 83 weeks? weeks so so we spent we, we i'm just gonna say we spent six minutes talking about tna when i just wanted to do a quick aside joke i want to so, talk about wildcat you're even a wildcat time Let's, man sorry <laughs> we can wildcat has infinite amount of time on this on this podcast well let's let's just right. let's dive into it real quickly i know we're getting uh all over the place so they had the show uh june the 25th at the southport hall there was a first uh-huh. x-rated show I just want to let everybody Since know about Wildcat Wrestling. Wildcat Wrestling is owned by Luke Hawks. And if you don't know who Luke Hawks is, Luke Hawks is Stone Cold Steve Austin in The Young Rock. He plays, he actually... He's in heels. He actually trains all the, the actors and yeah. his his fighters are all the fighting, all the uh, His extras. wrestlers are all the extras in the backstage guys, and all those wrestlers that learned for heels, he does all the training for them. James Harrison was at Wildcat, training for that, all of that. And you should know him also for uh, Logan, the yeah, movie he was Logan. Of, uh, He's yeah. the one where uh, <clears throat> Logan put the freaking blade right through his freaking uh, uh, right through his jaw. jaw. Right through his jaw. Well, like if, you, like, like, if you watch Dark Side <laughs> of the Ring, they talked about what CZW. It was CZW on the, yeah. on the West Coast and also the Chris Canyon episode. Yeah, Luke he, Hawks he was featured prominently in that. So, I mean, he's had a, a pretty long storied career on the independent scene. Uh, but the fact that, you know, he started his own promotion here in the New Orleans area, Wildcat, they've been going strong, I'd say, for over Almost 10, 10 years. years. yeah. Yeah, and um, we uh, we got to go to their X-rated show, which is basically where the one night a year. Um, it's their WrestleMania. Yeah, it's it, well, it's their WrestleMania, but it's like blood blood is acceptable. It's like you have to be twenty one to get in. Um, granted, for them not really being able to do an X-rated show since the pandemic, and this being my first Wildcat show, because honestly, like every time these Wildcat events would go on, it would be on a Saturday night with my old job. I worked Saturday nights, mm-hmm. and it was like going to an act of Congress to get a night off. So to actually be able to be there in the crowd, to have a good time, wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the Southport Hall setup, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think they made it work, all things considering. There were a couple of spots where guys were on the top rope that I'm like, please don't hit your head on the fan. Please <laughs> don't hit your head on that chandelier. But the funny you know, thing is, that, they still had thing. more room... Like ceiling clearance than the the, the old uh, venues. You were saying like Shamrocks. Shamrocks. When it was at Shamrocks, I mean, it literally was like, oh shit, somebody's gonna get the head cut off. <laughs> but it was like, but there was like a little bit more room. I also know too that, um, you know, talking to people that I know, yeah, that's it's never gonna happen at Shamrock. I mean, at uh, Southport Hall. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, it was very. Dis- they were very disappointed with the. There was too many complaints with the standing room only. Mm. And being far, and there was a lot of there was a lot of issues with it. I think it's a great setup. I think they could have done more. I, I think maybe if us uh, some some of us like go and talk to them and say, hey, look, there's ways that you could do the the seating to make it logo out more and fit more seats and then be more view, enjoyable viewing. Maybe, but like right now, it's probably never going to happen again over there. But I will say this, though. I was pleasantly surprised to see uh, Samoa Joe just chilling. Well, he's in town filming uh, Twisted Metal. So that was pleasant. So, nice. yeah, just the fact that I got to hold the door open for Samoa Joe. And he was like, thank you. I was like, no, was sir. Just, thank you. Just, you know, just just like just to have that little brush of greatness, get to chat with him for a little bit at the but, bar. Uh, but, yeah, in mean, local wrestling, yeah. uh, we just wanted to touch on that. So, if you, you know, if all the wrestling fans out there listening, if, you know, go support your local wrestling if you can. It's really... 
you know, integral to just the what was funny business. was when uh, the main event got into the crowd, he Joe jolted so quickly. Oh yeah, like, yeah, no, 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 no. Well, but like at the same. At first, he looked. He was like, he was like, huh? He was like. Oh fuck! I'm getting out of this. Well, like, so the fact that we got to see so many title changes on the night, and the fact that your NWA World Heavyweight Champion Trevor Murdoch is now the Wildcat World Heavyweight Champion, like, I was kind of surprised to see Luke Hawks drop the tag belts with his son. But at the same time, if he's going to be away more often, like he's doing, doing so much stuff, like stuff with Hollywood like backstage training, he doesn't like. He even said it at the very end of the show. He's like, I don't know if I'll be here for the, you know. For July, for the for, July event. So, yeah. like, the July event is now going, is actually going to be a John Curtis, which shocked the shit out of me. But I, I heard there's going to be a show in Chalmette. So, mm-hmm. my boy, the Chalmation down. Uh, the Chalmation sensation. sensation. Might have going a big event Lingo. going on in Chalmette. Oh, so, <laughs> it's but, funny uh, how I fell into Wildcat because uh, my cousins and, and friend, they're, they're, they're friends with, with uh, Luke Flamingo. Hawks. But then also no, my my land my old landlord that's his um, stepson. Oh, so like huh. it's like it's like hey, and like I met like Luke Hawks is like because they were best friends with uh with the twins and they were like oh, and I was like oh shit because they're from Jefferson you know he's from Jefferson and everything so it was just like all right so it was like bam it was like bam I know you yeah I know you yeah I know you and like I never knew but like boom small community boom you get to know so yeah. Uh, I know he's super busy. That's why I never asked him to try to be on the podcast because he's always in Australia filming. He's yeah. in right now in Georgia filming. Heels, so yeah. But uh, that's good, man. I, you know, just nice just being able to chit chat about that. Yeah, let's uh, let, oh, let's. Serena Deeb will be on the July show. Yeah, that, that, that's oh, a big nice. get. Yeah, Do we were even kind of saying like, yeah, Trevor Murdoch's a big get, but I know normally with the X-rated shows, they'll get like several. I'll tell you this, and for every year almost, the one person that's always at this show, Stevie Richards, was Tracy Smothers. Oh, Tracy Smothers. You know, and we're going to talk about Tracy Smothers. We're not talking about FBI Tracy Smothers. This motherfucker came into a New Orleans bar wearing a Confederate fucking flag. And he started getting so much fucking heat. The balls of him being able to do that is fucking... He, he's got balls. And Especially he made it shamrocks. Dude. You got a shamrocks and you're wearing a confederate flag on your ass. I swear when I would go there on the weekends, there would be a brawl that would take place in the parking lot almost every fucking Saturday night. And how that dude was Time able... Time yeah. yeah. how that dude was able to get out of there in one piece. He came in and he would chirp at the audience and it was so... The interaction was, was bigger... Stevie Richards was always there, but it's just like the Tracy Smothers. I was just like, damn, it's not, it doesn't feel right without Tracy Smothers. Rest, <laughs> is, rest in peace. But it was just like, it's just not right with Tracy Smothers. Hmm. I told that, I said, you tell, tell Luke that I said that it, 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 without Tracy, it's not the same. <laughs> we need to go retire something of Tracy Smothers for the Wildcat because, it, it, man, the X-rated shows were just up here with him because he just gave so much heat. Yeah, no, I, I had a great time. I think, though, we should, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the major promotions. And I know we're, we're coming off the heels of a big paper, or excuse me, premium live event. We'll touch on that in a little let's bit. But a minute. Let's talk about AEW, because they've had a lot go on in the last few weeks, and we haven't had a podcast to really delve too much into it. 
let's talk about the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, which, you know, I, I was a bit concerned because of all the injuries that just seemed to go through a lot of the AEW talent. And it was like, okay, well, the card that we were looking forward to is not the same. So is it still going to pack that same punch? And I got to tell you, man, it was an amazing card. It was an amazing show. And the fallout of this is I hope we get to see more collaboration between AEW and New Japan. What are some of your thoughts coming out of the pay-per-view? Well, okay, so yeah, just what you touched upon, the amount of injuries, it was kind of felt like the car was reshuffled a lot, what was going to happen. I did have big... Um, Seems like it was very snake-bitten. It was, and at the same time, I was concerned for that going into it because I'm like, all this reshuffling, is it going to be sloppy? Are they going to be able to tell good stories? And I figured New Japan and AEW would work well together because most of these guys have wrestled in New Japan or they know that style. So um, it was nice to see some first. You know, you had your All-Atlanta Championship. It was nice to see Pac get his due, I felt, well-deserved. Yeah, well-deserved. And then also with FTR, you really thought Dax Harwood injured his shoulder. So I got nervous for a while, thinking like, "Oh shit!" Amazing storytelling, uh, like man, you want to talk about the baby heat, fuck, or the baby face, fucking heat that these people have. Like the fact that they can do no wrong anytime that music hits, the fucking crowd. Just oh, they're going crazy, erupts. man! Uh, and the fact that they're now, you know, now they got the New Japan belts. You got the Triple Ring, Triple A Ring of Honor. So they're doing their thing and they're killing it. It's just, you know, okay, so. We can touch upon the fact that, you know, you had, um, and there was so much going Dude, on. I'm really so, I think I don't think a lot of people had high expectations for the Will Ospreay. Um, that was match of the night. Orange Cassidy. That was a legit match Because the they were like, oh, what's Pockets going to do with one of the best wrestlers well, was in the, the world? Whole... But you know what? Pockets can fucking go. And, like, put some respect on well, Pockets' fucking it's... name. Because he put on a hell of a match. Well, a lot of people are like, you know, your old school guys are like, oh, it's this mid-car comedy act spoof. And it's like, well... Yeah, and not, maybe if you want to define it that way, but the dude can wrestle. It takes two to tango, and yeah, you have one of the best in the world in Will Ospreay, who makes Orange Cassidy look great by comparison, but it was just a blending of the two styles, and I thought it was match of the night. I was heavily entertained. I was even going to say shit. The match that he had with Ethan Page uh, that was a fun on the match following ra- uh, Dynamite was a really good And then they changed his music Jefferson Airplane Jane, which was like, yeah. that was fucking pretty cool. Fucking <laughs> this died, like, it debuted immediately. I'm like, that had to cost a pretty penny. And then we had we had a big debut in Claudio Castagnoli being oh my Dan- God. Brian Danielson's hand-picked replacement to face off against Zack Sabre Jr. And I still want to see Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre yes. Jr. like yesterday. I need to see that match but um yes it was nice seeing claudio castanoli finally make his aw pay- debut um yeah there were rumors that he might resign with wb so we're gonna see what's going on with this they kind of well we'll touch upon the whole he's got unfinished business we're gonna lead up to that with you know eddie kingston but we'll get to that in a second but um what imagine? yeah they had okay so thunder rosa beat um tony storm but that was expected to me because tony storm beat Britt Baker cleaned, which to me was like winning a championship in it of itself. Like that kind of got her over as well. Yeah. And let's see. So then you had okay. So it was kind of a clumsy clusterfuck, but when you realize that Adam Cole had a concussion in the match, that's yeah. why that match was kind of sloppy the way it ended. The the end was sloppy. I think for a good duration of the match, though, it was pretty good. I know that Okada is not used to working. Uh, you know, fatal four-way matches. Really, but, not many people are. And that yeah. match was kind of put upon them. So they did the what they could with it, and I thought they did a good job up until, like, the very end. 
I figured Jay White was going to win because he needed to because he just won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. But the the thing was like Okada never. I don't think he ever hit anybody with the Rainmaker. He hit Adam Cole with the Tombstone, I believe. Or no, he might have hit him with the Rainmaker. I think he tried to get him up. I think he tried to get him up for the Rainmaker, but that but at that point Adam Cole was, was kind of out of it. Yeah. And so then uh, Jay White hits the Switchblade on um, Okada, and then instead of pin Okada to make Okada look weak, he pins Cole, which I guess was the right thing in retrospect. But then it was kind of like why wow, he beat him with. Somebody already had him injured ahead of time. So he's just been sitting there, and you still pin him. So it was just kind of weird, but either way. David Metzler, uh, highest-ranked match for the Forbidden Door. Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. It was a good match. That was the match of the night. Well, dude, Dave Metzler loves him some Will Ospreay. So know that going in. But to me, that was the match. As far as the the work rate and everything else, like the the beats in that match, they did not miss a beat. There wasn't a spot where you could be like, oh, they fucked that up. Or, oh, you know, no, it was a nice, crisp match. And and like I said, like put some respect on Orange Cassidy's name, man. He went out there and he fucking balled out. And again, he doesn't necessarily have to do that every time, but no. that's what he, I think makes that character even better. You put him in a situation where he can't be cool and collective, and he has to fucking go all out, mm-hmm. and that's where you know the shine is, so the, to speak. Exactly, you get the fight out on what you need to see from time to time. And then you know, let's just touch upon the main event: John Moxley versus uh, uh, yep, Tanahashi. Tanahashi, thank you so much. Tanahashi, living legend, uh, has the most title reigns as IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But again, my biggest concern was that, like, you know, he's he's not in his prime and he's got bad knees. He's had a ton of knee surgeries. But with that said, I thought they, I didn't think expect much of the match, but I thought they did a really solid match. And a lot of it goes to John Moxley. But even I'll pay Tanahashi his respects. It was better than what I thought. And yeah, you, I kind of figured Moxley was going to win the match. He kind of had to. Uh, I was going to say, well, what are what are some of your thoughts, Rams? Because I know you're not a big Moxley guy. What, no, what, I, <laughs> I like Moxley. It just, it just, I, you know. To me, like, he always has to relieve it to the blood. And, like, he always has to blade, and it's like, all right. I, did he really have to blade in that fucking match? Because, man, I yeah. think that, that damn cut, I mean, like, it, it comes to a point, like, it wasn't, I, I don't, I think he can wrestle really good, but the problem is, it's just like, he always goes back to his old, Extreme. That's my thing with Moxley. Extreme, hardcore thing. Like he just can't get rid of it. Like he needs that just to feel whole or something. Like he's missing something in his life. Play along with his character, I'll give him that. But yeah, I know I understand what you're saying with the Moxley thing. I'm not the biggest Moxley fan. I respect the hell out of him when it comes to the fact that he loves the business and does the indie shows. Not because he has to. He wants to, and I love that about him. Um, But But it was. But to me, like he's as much as I can. sometimes don't like his style I will say this though that guy holding the belt for the interim is the guy that you want to hold the belt because if you ask me that's AEW mm-hmm. you know it, it's not you know everybody it, it's just he's AEW he's the main one it's not like Chris Jericho like Chris Jericho signed with AEW oh, okay it was a big shot it was this guy left his contract out of the WWE and he just like beelined. Like everything was set up to go to AEW. Yeah. And to me is like that's the guy from the start has made the most impact in AEW. So with well, holding the interim belt, I think that was the best person for the interim belt. 
and as give, an S to guy. Give credit where credit's due, too, because there might not be a AEW New Japan Forbidden Door without Moxley. Because exactly. it was really Moxley's work in New Japan before going to AEW. And the communication, basically, he was the go-between for a while there between both companies before finally got to the point where they were on good enough terms where New Japan would be like, hey, Mox, can you talk to Tony and see if, you know, it'd be okay with you coming over here and doing this? It's like, why don't you ask him yourself? Like, we're we're to that point now where he was the bridge between uh, both companies. I was thinking, now you're talking about Mox, I'm, I think I'm, now we got to talk about Blood and Guts because I'm just well, thinking yeah, about I mean, it, right it now. feels like it's a good natural okay, so transition. I just I had this on my mind. Well, we'll um... So yeah, Blood and Guts, you had six on six, which was crazy. They gave the full hour time limit, and we're just going to touch upon it. Like, hopefully they learned that the design looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought the two rings, the cage was much higher, the audience, the field. The, 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 the spot with Sammy going off the cage looked a lot better than the spot last time with It was Jericho. much safer. It looked better camera-wise. It just, it to me, it was a smoother transition. I enjoyed that. A lot of people, you know... Everybody's gonna talk shit about whatever. It's padded. No shit. You're not trying to kill the guy. Fucking just throw it. Thank you. Hey, you dumbasses. So, I thought some of it went a little long with uh, certain guys. I felt like the time limit wasn't the same for each guy. Well, well, but honestly, too, WWE pulls that same shit. They do. It's like, oh, every 60 seconds. And it's like, that kind of felt more like 40 seconds, but okay, like. You know, they'll, they'll do that from time to time. I think it was most noticeable right before uh, Jake Hager got in the ring because it did feel like... It one, felt like a couple of minutes. But, well, it was supposed to be, yeah, I think, what, every three I mean, minutes or something so. like that. And it felt like... I'm trying to remember who went in right before that. Um, but anyway, the, it was it was a Blackpool Combat Club guy that went the, in. And it felt like a minute and a half later, Hager was in. And I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that was the only thing, too, was that, like, okay, so the Jericho's Appreciation Society had the advantage. But to me, even though they were outnumbered, the other team was just beating the shit out of those guys. And I guess that's part of the deal. Um and then they had to use hijinks, like take Conti interfering. Well, you had bit. the heels go over in last year's Blood and Guts, or la- the yeah, last Blood and had, Guts. Uh, and so it did group. kind of make sense that like the baby faces get it here. And you also had a nice element of storytelling, t- which we'll, we'll get on that again in a moment. But fucking A, I feel for Santana. I was gonna, thank you so much. I was just going to touch on that because he really messed up something with his leg. I don't know if it's quad or his hamstring or whatever you went for an uranagi and that leg just stayed fucking put like he didn't 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 move in anything like it literally just locked in place and fucked up his knee and i feel bad for him because you know he got in there went on a went on a rant for about a minute and a half just like blowing people up and then boom the fucking injury happens and you know Proud and Powerful is going to be, you know, a solo act now, at least, I'd say, for the next couple we'll months. Future, yeah. I mean, you could always yeah, team uh, Ortiz with um, with Eddie Kingston if you wanted to. But, but like an ACL, MCL, like, we don't know the extent of it just yet. But, I mean, like, if he did some serious damage to his knee, he's going to be out for an extended you amount know, put of time. You put him with Eddie Kingston because Eddie Kingston is... He's going his up. Projection, his his projection. That's what we're going to get on right now. His projection is going well, let's, up. Let's touch on it. So crazy. So you had Eddie Kingston. We'll do, let's just touch on this. I mean, goddamn, like uh, Claudio Castagnoli was doing the swing on top of the uh, dude. Fucking, you know, Jericho. Like, w- kudos to him for being a good sport. And a lot of people are like, oh my god, like one false move and Jericho goes flying off the cage and blah blah blah. blah. But. Jericho's like, he went on Twitter to comment, like, yeah, it's scary, but you know what? I, I trust him to, you yeah. know. 
Like, and that's like him not being in character saying that. It's like, yeah, no, I, I, I trust him. Like, they have a good working relationship from being in the oldie. You know, like. So, I mean, no, because it was nerve wracking for a minute. You're like, whoa, he's getting a little close to that edge with that swing. So, it makes you nervous as a fan watching it. And then you had, uh, God, I can't remember the two, uh, the other 2.0 guy that was up there with him. So you had Kingston have Jericho in his little neck crank submission hold at the that he made him tap out at the last pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And then you also had um, Claudio Castanelli put the sharpshooter on the other guy. It was uh, a cool head, Ange. Yeah. And so he gets the, so Claudio gets his guy to tap out the sharpshooter before Chris Jericho taps out. So Eddie Kingston's now pissed because he's like, hey, he's getting ready to tap Jericho out again. What the fuck, man? So they have bad blood between them, Claudio. Well, they and have bad blood going back to their days on the Indies yeah. and everything else. And so, even when Castagnoli made his debut at Forbidden Door and Blackpool Combat Club came out after, but what I wanted to see them join. What I wanted to touch other. on was like Moxley, you know, doing the crazy shit. He reopened his wound again. He brought up the thumbtacks. They did all the crazy <laughs> shit. They had the barbed wire bat. But like Moxley was, you could tell how fucking angry he was that he had to climb the top of that cage. He was not fucking in no Yeah, he's like, nope. He's like, God damn All man. the crazy shit that he does, he's like, nope, not having that. I think that. he was legit hurt, and he had all those texts in his shoe and stuff, because like, cause Claudio had his hand out to grab him, and he was like, no. Because he was like really working his way very slowly to get oh, on yeah, top no, of that he took, cage. He took his sweet-ass time getting on top of that cage. Yeah, I don't cool. think texts in his shoes is affecting him. If you see... No. If you see... He's pulling bite, something out of it. If you, if you <laughs> saw the, the shit that he's been through early in his career in and, and CZW, no. No. I think no. I do think Kingston though was kind of legitimately hurt in that match though because like Castagnoli did try to like get him up and you could see Kingston mouthing off to him. He's like, I hurt my back. Like I think I'm gonna just chill here for a second. Oh, okay. Like, so. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it was the second time they did blood and guts. I was entertained. I know it can be a little contrary when you have the picture in picture, which we're just touching upon. You got commercials in your main event, but it's an hour long match, so you kind of have to have. I, I I feel like though, especially like that caliber of a match, it shouldn't be on dynamite. I mean, am I am I mad that it's on dynamite? No, because I'm fucking watch it. But at the same time, I feel like that should be a pay per view match. And to that point, um, you have the executives at Discovery Plus, you know. Not demanding that AEW add more pay-per-views, but they're kind of like nudging them and urging them like, hey, you you should do more pay-per-views. Then kind of to your point of what you brought up with as far as like generating revenue and stuff like that. Like, the fact that AEW does generate a good amount of money on their pay-per-views, but they only do four officially a year. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, think they're looking for more ways to, like, have them come in and generate more revenue. I will say, look, if we can make Forbidden Door an annual thing, like, if we could keep this collaboration with New Japan and AEW going, I'd fucking love that. I think that would be an amazing new addition. Because it's not something that you see other promotions do on a consistent basis. At least, like, a co-promoted event with an outside territory. Um... You saw it once with, like, the Starcade with WCW versus New yeah, Japan. Yeah, Japan. But, like, that was a one-off thing. If we could actually have this be an annual recurring thing, a la, like, like brand supremacy, so to speak. Like, how WWE does this shit with Survivor Series every year where we're supposed to care about red t-shirts or blue t-shirts. Yeah. I do think it would be cool to do a thing where it's AEW versus New Japan. So, the thing about the... Uh 
like I know my only counter argument to that one is that like they want to put on the best shows and get the best ratings they can for AEW Dynamite, so they want to do these big events occasionally throughout the year because they're they, they're the modern day clash of champion specials that they did on the old TBS. But so they have get, that in Battle of the Belts, and like let's be honest, the last two Battle of the Belts have been very underwhelming. Yeah. So I, I just this just came to my mind. Blood and guts, and forbidden door. I think it goes hand in hand. Why don't you do something like, like I, I mentioned earlier off the air was like New Japan versus AEW and Blood and Guts. You know, it'd be something. It'll be it'll be exciting. But I go even one further. You just don't have to. A Forbidden Door doesn't have to be with New just New Japan. One year, do like a global uh, GCW versus AEW, NWA, AEW. Bring it to where it could be different. Uh, you know, different brands to kind of like broaden out, like TNA, help the the struggling or the other independents go up. You know, you building up your Ring of Honor, boom, you can have a forbidden door where it's New Japan, AEW, Ring of Honor, and bring in TNA. You bring, I mean, Impact, and you have those four, and then you have your matches. You you put fucking thirteen matches on, and all the matches it was pretty much all AEW, and then they snuck in one or two. You know, New Japan guys, but I think a good deal of that like, also had to do with injuries on the New Japan side too. True. So, but but at the same time, though, I I know that New Japan is trying to get more of an American presence. Like, I mean, I know they have the access show stuff like, but I mean, at the same point in time, it's like these are not necessarily people that you get to see on a consistent basis. Yeah, it, it would keep it fresh. It would keep you it interesting. Do something where you're going to cross promote, like how Impact and AEW was cross promoting with with. Um, they did it for a little uh, while. They had a relationship. They had the good old. They had the good boys. Twinkle Toes. Good brothers. Good brothers. Thank you. Twinkle Toes was his fucking Kenny name. Omega. Yeah, there you go. Kenny Omega. That uh, you know, but do something with it to actually grow it. You know, so like do like Forbidden Door, but like bring those well, in. You know, there is also because Ring of Honor is going to have a pay per view at the end of the month. Um, and so the fact that like you know we're, we're possibly going to get more Ring of Honor pay-per-views out of this as well, like that helps kind of scratch that itch. You could also do a little cross promotion there. Yeah, I so, think they probably will in the it, Ring of Honor. And when, and when HBO Max and Discovery Plus finally merge in, you know, start having these having the elevation matches and the dark and the Ring of Honor matches. Take them off YouTube and put them on this. Put on this app platform and start doing it. And then you can start, like, oh, people can start seeing shit. Because where the fuck are you going to watch Ring of Honor shit? You know? Question, you know? Yeah, I mean, you have the library, so... But I got, I got a question. So this is what I want you to ponder. Uh. Next year, what's the name of Chris Jericho's group in Blood and Guts? Because <laughs> last year it was the Inner Circle. Huh. This year is the Jericho Appreciation Society. So, next year, what's the group's when, name? Well, I mean, we'll probably have to go a new ride now, and we'll see. That'll be interesting. Yeah, will, will Jericho be Jericho or heel? Jericho, <laughs> yeah. Jer- Jericho's getting to the point where he's almost like All Big right. Show now. Is he going to be face or heel a year from now? But uh, now we got to touch on uh, WWE a little bit, because we did have a pretty big pay-per-view over the weekend, or a premium live event. Yeah, man. Money in the Bank. Um, Money in the Bank on a Saturday. In Vegas. They were originally supposed to be at uh, Allegiance uh, Stadium, and then uh, 
They, they had the Dallas the, the MGM Grand. Because you wanted to do an event the same night, USC. You fucking dumbasses. I could have told you that was going to work out too well. And also on the biggest weekend of sports. It's the biggest weekend of UFC. Yeah, UFC. That's yeah. their One biggest, of their biggest card. That's their that. biggest weekends. It's International Fight Week, Hall of Fame introductions, and then you're going to do a show on the same night. They used to do a pretty big one on Super Bowl. And you're going to have before. two big fucking main events on the on UFC, which, let me tell you, that card fucking almost put me to sleep. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just... But what was interesting about that was like, okay, so you have an engine Grand Garden Arena. So initially, I think they sold... Uh, seventeen thousand, maybe. Up so to seventeen thousand, sixteen thousand tickets for Allegiant, and then they had to. Uh, what they had twelve thousand at MGM. They had to refund the yep. money tickets. Yes, I remember that being the thing. So that, okay, great. So the four or five thousand people, you kind of like, oh, what the fuck, man. Um, but needless to say, at least it looked like a filled arena. That there was a live crowd. They were hopping, and they started off strong. So they had the, you open up with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, and. Okay, so I'll give you the good, and I'll give you a little bit of uh, give me my criticisms. The women fucking put on a hell of a show, man. Yeah, did you have some some botches? You had a lot of botches. It is what it is, man. Okay, it's the ladders all over the place. People trying to get their spots in. Things will go as smooth transitions as you think they might. Uh, also, some of the reckless, uh, just I, like Shotzi and Becky did two fucking moves that I thought were so unnecessary that I cringed oh, watching man. them. And I'm like, and I'm not talking about the Alexa Bliss botch because that a lot of people Shotzi shut down our Twitter account because of that. That was just a slip up, and luckily it worked out safe. But I'm talking about where Shotzi did the uh, senton splash, and she landed on her fucking back of her neck on that ladder. Yeah, she got. Oh. She was. Oh, you saw her face? How bloody her face was after that. Do you know how fucking stupid that uh, that bump was? You could have had a broken neck. Could have ended your career. That was just so stupid. It's not, like, it's not like those are foam ladders out there. No. <laughs> like that. It's like, y'all, come on. Oh, man. I mean, she's one tough woman. I give her all the respect in the world. I just thought that was so unnecessary, and it pained me to watch it. And then also what Becky did to Asuka I thought was so unnecessary because Becky could have broke Asuka's rib, and she could have broke her tailbone because she kind of took it, the bump onto her spine off the edge of the ladder, too, when she did that double like leg drop on her. I, I know the, they want to put on a show for the fans, and I respect that, but I'm like... Don't hurt yourself. I don't want to see people get hurt. Gotta, 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 gotta figure out a way to work a little safer with that. Yeah, but other than that, the women gave a hell of a performance. I won't deny that. So, that was the biggest thing I couldn't wait for for Shotzi. Because if you saw her in NXT and some of the cage matches and some ladder matches, she goes all in. That's why I love Shotzi. You give her something, like, hey, we're going to bring the ladders. 150,000% in. And she's going to do something crazy. That's just her. That's why I love her. I get it, but like I just, literally, I, I, felt, I felt like I was watching a million dollar baby situation. Like when I saw the bump, Bro, I was just when like, I saw that dude. bump, I'm like, did she fucking break her neck? Like she is gonna literally not be able to walk if she keeps doing that. And like, it, I don't want to see people get hurt. I thought that was just unnecessary. But yeah, to your uh, to your point, Ramsey, I, I love that the fact that she goes in. she goes hard and she goes all out. She's gonna go all in. But she did. Becky's going to go all the in. The fans were really harsh on her because of the uh, the boss she had with Alexa Bliss. And I thought, look, that was a mistake. It, she just slipped. It, it, it could have ended really bad. She had her on her shoulders, and she slipped, and she fell backwards. Thank God the, the way she fell on the ladder that was standing up, that fell down with her, kind of relieved the bump that could have happened. Because it could have been really bad. But, it, again, it was just one of those things. Everybody was okay. You know, guys on Twitter, internet, leave her alone. It should have happened. But, uh, 
Talking about if, if you go and get on people out there, you're gonna get on her ass for that. I need more people to get on fucking uh, um, you say Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins' ass for all the shit that. that he has done. So, but okay, so you had Raquel Gonzalez, you had Oscar, you had Becky Lynch. Lacey Evans. Uh, Lacey Evans. Oh my God, I totally forgot about Lacey Evans. Dude, yeah. the fact that like every time Lacey Evans uh, Evans climbed the ladder, and the fact that the arena just booed the, oh, they booed the fuck shit out, out, of out of her. Oh, like, they booed oh. her. They're, they're making like this Army Ranger character where she kind of has like half her face, the uh, the camo, the uh, face war paint. It, Alexa Bliss, everybody put on a great show. Oscar. They had the storyline. Liv Morgan, you know, all this. It was just like, Who's gonna win it? You think Liv's gonna win? I really thought she was gonna win last year, dude. Yeah, enough, enough teasing. Like I, I was just happy that Liv was the one that. So you had finally the Becky that, Lynch, that final spot. That was... Becky Lynch pushes Liv off the ladder. Liv holds her foot up and catches her foot on the top rope, readjusts herself back onto the ladder, kicks Becky Lynch's legs from underneath her, grabs the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase, and you just see the. Just the excitement on her face. Like, when Ramsey brought up a statistic that I don't know if we brought up on the show before, uh, we brought up... Uh, Ramsey just randomly tweeted us one day, like, who has the most matches? It was, like, the beginning of April or May. End of... Yeah, beginning of May. Who has wrestled the most matches in North America? This year. This year. And they're all guessing guys, and I was like, no, it's Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan had the most matches than any professional wrestler, man or woman. And, like, you could tell, too, because she's gotten so much better in the ring, transitions-wise and things like that. She really is putting in the work. She has. Yeah, that's one thing you can. It's definitely, you go put tape three years ago and look at tape now, and it's like, holy shit. It's yeah, she's like gotten two a lot better. People, exactly. She's gotten which home. is, it's great. I give credit to people, to wrestlers like that. She upped her game. It's kind of like a big E moment. It's like, yep, let's give it to her. She worked hard. She got better. Let's go. It's time. So the fans were going crazy. Liv won the belt. Thing is, is Liv kind of, this is a little later. She's like, yeah, I'm going to hold on to it. But we'll, we'll uh, okay, Liv, let's see how long you hold on to it. But the next match, Theory, Bobby Lashley, United States Championship. Gave that match some solid time. I guess I was a little surprised that Theory lost the belt because I thought that uh, thought they were building towards a Theory-Cena SummerSlam match, but apparently now it's looking like Cena's not going to be able yeah, to be he doesn't know Because when Cena came out on uh, Raw on the 27th, Redo, Texas, he kind of said, I will be back, I will have a final run, I just don't know when. Mm-hmm. So and uh, even uh, Theory was had words with John Cena behind the scenes, laid into him, so they're already building... Planting the seeds for that feud down the road, but yeah, when they took the, so when Lashley obviously won because you know Raw doesn't have a championship, so now you get the belt back on Lashley, who's the Almighty. It's good to have something on there. Now, are they going to do something with the United States belt? We'll see. Theory is not out and about. What are your thoughts on it? I, you know, like well, considering the direction that they took later in the night, I mean, it makes, makes all sense. The sense in the world. So I guess we can move on from in, there. In the mo- in the moment, it was like, huh, well, that's interesting. Okay, but I mean, like realistically, if Cena was going to come back, like even if, even if say Cena does come back and has a match with Theory at SummerSlam, what would be the point of Cena winning the U.S. belt if he's not going to be there on a consistent uh-huh. basis? Exactly. Well, I figured you know you really pass the torch, have Theory win, and then it puts him over as your future star. Right. We could still have the but belt. But you don't need the belt on the line. You really you don't, don't need, need the belt so. You are right on that one. Yeah, you. I would have done like put the belt on, put the U.S. title on the line when Cena won it. Retired a fucking belt because it's fucking useless. 
Well, both of the secondary titles are pretty much useless at this point. Yeah, but retire the U.S. title completely. I don't. It, it, I like the new design. It's I'm it, okay it, with it. It's time that Belton can go. But um, so the next match was the match that really was like I really thought that the Street Profits were going to win it, or they're going to split up it, one or the other. You the match, but that's okay. Yeah, you missed Bianca Belair, Carmella, forgettable. Oh my next. god, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Bianca Belair won the mat, won uh, the belt off of Sasha Banks at WrestleMania last year. That was like her first feud was with Carmella, and they wrestled. We're really supposed to be with Bailey, and then Bailey got hurt. And then she just feuded with uh, Carmella all throughout the summer. So I've seen that match numerous times. Nobody gave Carmella a serious chance of winning. No, and then after the match, Carmella attacks Bianca Belair. And teases a possible cash-in because Liv Morgan is a Raw superstar. Briefly, And then it doesn't happen, so okay. But dude, they gave that SmackDown... Tag, I mean, uh, the, t- the, the unified, unified tag, tag team belt. belts a fuck ton of time. It was a great match. They put on a great show. I felt like I've seen them wrestle a gazillion times. I, I really honestly thought the Street Profits was going to win. Like, once or twice, they had some legit, you know, when they hit that uh, blockbuster, doomsday blockbuster, I thought that was it. They just went at it for, God, that felt like a 40-minute match. 23-minute match. God, it felt long, dude. It was just a long match, which is fine. I like having a long match. You're able to tell a story, and you can hit your spots. But yeah, having the Usos win, I guess, was the right thing. But then also... But the way they won, too, though, it, it's one of those things that was like they they stole a win. Not not like stole a win, but it still it's, kept it's, Street it's Profits credible. Back. Yeah, because... roll back in SummerSlam because his shoulders weren't up. Were on, weren't yeah, Montez Ford had his shoulder up. When they, 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 I'll, I'll they, say this, though. After that match... Montez Ford's going to be the fucking biggest star out of this. Oh, of course. Well, they're already, they're already, they're already, they're already talking wait, about breaking up. Wait, is Montez Ford, but who's the other guy's name? D'Angelo yeah. Dawkins. D'Angelo Dawkins is a fucking athlete, man. He was the guy that had the college or the, uh, the football experience. And when he did that fucking uh, flip splash on the outside of the ring and landed on his feet for a big guy like that, I was like, damn. That was impressive. Now, mind you, he hit off both Usos right here, so he was able to land on his feet doing that. He wouldn't have done that with just a single guy. But I, I can see it in the future. Montez Ford wearing a championship belt. His wife, Bianca Buehr, wearing a championship belt. And just dominating because, man, Montez Ford came out came out of this oh, he's always as a starter. But he is now like... Oh, no, Vince, Vince is already great. salivating over the dude and is ready to push him as a single star. Oh, yeah, and that'll happen he, sooner he, than later, let's put it that way. He's forward, but that tag team together. But, yeah, the Usos win with the one D, or hijinks, like Ramsey was saying, the shoulder was technically up. So the only thing it's sad that, we, we're gonna miss, that we're missing out on is having an Usos New Day with Big E in Kingston mm-hmm. with, with the Street Profits with a, a fucking ladder match, you know? These, those three right now, that could have like, been well, something. My whole, my whole thing, too, though, real quick, though, because we were talking about how the, the divorce is coming. And, like, they've been teasing it for a while. Like, we know it's coming because they want to push Montez to the top. Why don't we do this shit anymore where, like, you keep them a tag team, one person tastes single success, and that is what causes the other person to get jealous, and that is what causes the breakup? Because to me... It's one of those things like, oh, Montez Ford has an opportunity to like go in and win a belt or something like that and goes and wins a singles title and then has a successful run with it and you just see D'Angelo Dawkins in the background like getting more jaded and more bitter and more bitter and that's what causes the, the snap and the breakup. Like, 
that's good storytelling right there. Just Assault up. We're, we're ready to push this guy as a superstar now. So up, we're breaking up tag team. Just I, I, WWE does this shit all the fucking time. Yeah, I know. It's like they do something different. I do shit like you used to do it. Fuck. No, like that was the natural progression. Like, oh, this guy's become champion now, and he's grown out of being a tag team. Doesn't have to be like vitriol and hatred. They don't have to hate each well, other. Well, no, they can, they can eventually hate each other. Yeah, down the road, possibly. Yeah, jealousy. But I mean, shit. Just the whole up. Oh, we got to break him up because now this guy's got to go on a singles run. It's it's like no. Just they can still be a tag team. Fuck, we've seen Lucha Brothers do it in fucking AEW. They wrestled each other a time or two, and they broke it. They broke it up into singles. Yeah. Yeah, like they can still do singles matches. And be a tag team. Or when, it's doable. Or the, what the fucking draft was meant to be. was Unless, unless they're they're waiting for an excuse to cut D'Angelo Dawkins so, you know, they can oh, save geez. on their profits and everything. So. Yeah, 90, every 90 days, we got to have our quarterly revenue go up. But, uh, so then, yeah, you had, let's see, I'm trying to think, what was it? Ronda and uh, Natalia was next. Yeah, I mean, to me, Ronda's run's been a little lackluster. She doesn't really feel like... I'm sure she enjoys professional wrestling. She doesn't really seem to be enjoying when she's wrestling the matches, but I know her and uh, Natty, Natalia are friends, good friends in, real in real life. So the whole story of this match was uh, Natalia was injured or was working on the leg, so she put on the sharpshooter. So throughout the progression of the match, Ronda's leg was getting worse and worse. Ronda eventually went with the armbar. But she had the, she was kind of limping on the leg, and then I can't believe it happened because they talked to Liv Morgan earlier. I'm gonna hold on this for a while, and the next thing you know, you hear Liv Morgan's music play, and you're like, Liv Morgan, Ronda Rossi. I was like, oh fuck! I was like, is this gonna be the first unsuccessful cash in? I'm like, why you for the female for the females like the female? I'm like, why you do some WWE? Why you gotta fucking mess with my emotions like this, man? Like, don't fucking WWE this moment. Like, how is Liv gonna legitimately? beat Ronda for the belt because as soon as she gets in the ring Ronda gets her in the ankle lock and she's holding her for a while and you're like oh shit what's gonna happen what's gonna happen Liv eventually kicks her in the bad leg Ronda is kind of grabbing the knee she turns around and then Liv Morgan hits her with what the most devastating move in all sports entertainment mm-hmm. the surprise roll up which was kind of a shit one the backwoods yeah essentially but it just wasn't fluid but she got the win and uh, kudos to Liv Morgan, man. I mean, the crowd went crazy. Dude. My question is this. This whole title run, was Ronda a face or a heel? She's a heel because if you love her, if you're in the audience, she will send the love back. She will, like, high-five you and all this. But, like, in the ring, you don't see much emotion out of her. She doesn't seem to be enjoying it, to me. Yeah, but, like, against Natalia, was she the heel or she was... Because wasn't Natalia the heel? Yeah. Supposedly, yes. All right. Cause the whole thing that gets me was like after fucking Liv Morgan cashed in one, and Ronda handed her the title and hugged her. I was like, "That was the biggest." What well, the so, fuck? So behind, so behind the scenes, and I, know, I, I, I think behind the scenes, like they were looking to take the title off of Ronda. Because like realistically, Ronda doesn't need the belt to be fucking Ronda. No. All right, like she doesn't need it. Um, the fact that she was the one that campaigned heavily for Liv to be the one to take the belt off of her. Like, if there's anybody that should win Money in the Bank and take the title off of me, it should be Liv because she's the hardest worker out of anybody in the locker room. Going back to the point that you made earlier, even somebody like Ronda Rousey could fucking, like, look at it and say... To Ramsey's point, and even I've heard this from other members on on YouTube, my wrestling shows, 
it was kind of weird that Liv Morgan just kind of got the cheap win in a sense, beat an injured Ronda, and then Ronda is going to be like, here's your belt, give her a hug. Like, you'd be pretty pissed to yeah. have you in real life. Yeah. Like, it it so was worse than she, fucking she Sasha didn't, Banks. She, she didn't stay in character. It, yeah. was, it was worse than, than what Sasha Banks uh, lost to drop the title to Bianca Belair, and she's on the outside of the fucking ring. No, but that wasn't... Like, no, like, no, no, but... But that was called yeah, on yeah. camera by the fans. I wasn't WWE catching her on that. No, one. no. But I'm just saying, like it, it, it was worse than that. But no, not it, to it, me. She was on the outside of the ring. But this is in the ring with the cameras that's what on. I said. It's worse. Oh, it is than... worse. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that. Rasha was no, worse. I'm like, no, no, no. This was bad. worse. But to me, it's like here's the thing about Ronda. There's not that many matches I, I want her to see that's that's on SmackDown or Raw. I, I want her to see her versus uh, Bianca. I would like and to the, see that. And the only other match I want to see without with her and Bianca is Bailey. When I want to see Bailey when it comes back. I want to I want to see her and Becky, which we we didn't get that this past WrestleMania. That, They're gonna save that for we're saving that for next year's WrestleMania. Neither woman has to be a champion, although it would be better if they were the champion. But yeah, that's next year's WrestleMania in Los Angeles. I, I understand, but that's the only that's really the matches you really want I agree to see with you. Ronda. I agree with you. It's like Brock. Like I love Brock, but like really, what matches is there for him? It's not really One more with Lashley, and that's about it. And I can't tell you who else after that. Yeah, because I mean, God, we're getting fucking WrestleMania fucking rematch. I, I don't SummerSlam again. Uh, but uh, but finally, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match will be brief on this one. So you have what was it? Six, seven entrants who all earned their way to be in the match. There was six that was already that, that earned its way, and six. then we got the little fucking crappy one that was. Sent no, there there was seven. <laughs> I think there was seven. There was, was seven, and then Theory made eight. But you know the way so, the yeah, way yeah, that Theory seven. the way that Theory Adam came Pierce out comes yeah. out and he's like, oh, we're gonna. No, add. I'm right. I'm right. Six earned its way. Two did not. Oh yeah. Matt Cat Moss was put in. Yeah, I think he's right. And Theory was put in. Yeah, because he yeah because Matt Cat Moss won a match on Raw to get in, or on SmackDown to get in. He was put in. I don't want to be. It was that. the last minute. It was the last minute thing because it was supposed to be. Uh, it was supposed to be um, Kevin Owens versus. It was supposed to be Kevin Owens versus a, Ezekiel uh, or something. Ezekiel. Yeah, but and Kevin then, Owens got hurt. Yeah, yeah he's hurt. And then they put Matt Cap pretty much handed Matt Cap yeah, so. the end. And look, man, I know a lot of fans out there are like. Fans, no matter what, are gonna get fucking butthurt about anything. I'm fine with theory getting the push. You're pushing a young future star. Let's see what happens. The only way you're gonna know if he's gonna go anywhere is if you just push him. It's a very, it's a very McMahon thing to do. Not necessarily. Well, when was no. the last time he pushed a young no, talented no, 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 guy? No, I'm saying he's he's a McMahon guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes okay. sense storyline wise. Yeah, yes. it makes sense storyline wise. But like, yeah, look, everybody that's bitching, like like you bitch, Ramsey, about guys like Madcap Moss, you bitch about guys like Theory and stuff like that. It's like, you're never going to really know if these guys have what it takes to be main event level if you don't fucking sometimes throw them in the deep end and see what they can do. Uh, if if you put them in that position it. and they drop the ball and they suck, at least you tried. It mean, it, look, to me, it means the world... If we if we start seeing some of these new okay. fresh faces instead of fucking Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, every fucking main event. Okay, I got one for you. Summarize Theory's U.S. title run. Did he make that title better? Did they really push him with the belt? So why the fuck are you going to try to push him with a fucking Money in the Bank? 
Because it, that's it, the thing. Here's the thing about mid card titles, and I, everything's saying it's irrelevant, but the mid card titles are supposed to help you know your your talent if they can handle a fucking belt. And even if you don't want to push them and everything, you can still make you can still make a belt top. Look, twenty four seven is a joke, but guess what? When it's on our truth, it he made it to make say, hey, hey I'm gonna have a segment. I'm going to make it something you're gonna remember. You See, know? but they're pushing theory right now in the same way that they pushed Seth Rollins a few years so, ago as being like the hand picked chosen one that's where i was going with that like okay so you're to your point with the secondary titles you gotta you gotta, you gotta get that out of your head Ramsey, well, first, like, hold, on, hold on first thing first thing seth rollins had a title had a tag team title reign and it helped him it pushed him he made the tag team title with roman reigns more he made it it made it more to where we tag team wrestling at the time was fucking crap but they made it more he helped make that title more your titles, even your secondary, even if your tag team titles, you can make it more memorable. It's memorable. I remember Seth Rollins as a tag team title. When he ran, when he won the title, okay, he was making his run. He made a name to him. There's no match I can sit here and say that Theory has wrestled. It was like, damn, you know, that was a good fucking match. Did tell me, tell Monday me a Night fucking Raw? match. Tell me a match. I've been watching all his matches because this is supposed to be the up and coming thing, right? Yeah. I've been watching his matches. What matches? I don't. I, there's not a single one that's. Like, What's the baseball for not? Theory. They they take all the secondary tight champions and they don't do anything with it. That's not his, the, okay. First thing is this: uh, it's not about the, the championship. He has a championship and he has a match. What match when he had that title was memorable? Fuck, give him a push. What match has he made in your mind? It's memorable. Tell me one. Well, what matches on Raw do you remember throughout the 20-year history of Raw that are remember memorable? You don't. You remember the pay-per-views? Not even the pay-per-views. I'm going to shoot that down because I can th- I can think of several. But even in that, what matches has he done with the title or without the title? Without the he title. He just won the belt not that without long the ago. Title. Without the title. What match is memorable of his? He hasn't been on the roster that long. I'll go even more to NXT because I've been watching him in NXT. There's nothing He's not memorable. He, I'm, I don't like him. It's not because he's young. I don't think he's that talented. He's more memorable. I'll, I'll be honest. He's more memorable at this moment for spots. Yeah. Like fucking Brock Lesnar throwing oh, him off the top crazy. of the cage in Elimination Chamber or uh, on top from the top of the pod. Um, spot at uh, WrestleMania or WrestleMania this past year with you know Stone Cold. You know, and that's the whole reason why he dropped Austin from his name was because he didn't like what had just happened with Steve Austin, and so. So to, what I'm saying so is, make him look bad. He when you that spot's making him look bad. Mm-hmm. Mm. When you are the Vince McMahon guy and you have the Money in the Bank briefcase, you've been designated by WWE as the future, and that says, hey man, this 20, this kid could have the potential to break. Randy Orton's record for youngest champion. But here's the other thing too: who's to say that he's gonna he keep won't. the, it keep could the briefcase? Because be. that could be a setup if John Cena does end up appearing at SummerSlam. Let's that's say that's what I think. I don't, you know, I don't think there's no that's way a possibility. Or it could be somebody else that ends up taking it off him. Because like, let's be realistic: if you look at that field before Theory got inserted in the match, who do you think was the most deserving to win the briefcase? Riddle, Sami Zayn. Riddle or Sami Zayn, exactly. Now I don't see Sammy taking it off. I was gonna say wrong. Sammy even you. said he was he wasn't gonna cash it in for a year or until the year because he didn't want to disrespect Roman like that because he's still trying to get in cool with him. But I say this, 
who said that maybe this year who's more deserving that was supposed to be in this match? It's Kevin, Kevin Owens. Owens. Yeah. Kevin Owens with a with a briefcase could be deadly for a year. You know. But, you know, Riddle, you know, in theory, I don't even want to knock theory being in this match. The person I have a knock in this whole match was almost from the start is like, how are you going to put him in a fucking match like this? He you can't, need, you're he not can't move. AJ. He can't have, he you, can't move. You need your, you need your giant. But who, who get help, move. who benefits the most with the briefcase at all those guys? Theory. Sami Zayn? No. Riddle? Riddle just had a title, just kind of got over. He's been getting over on his own organically. He doesn't need it. He's gonna, he's gonna be. He had a pretty good match with Roman Reigns on so, SmackDown. So who? Madcap Moss won't. No. Desert wouldn't have that. Makes most sense to give it to Theory. Look at all those names. Theory deserved it, and I'm happy that he got it. Because now does he deserve it? I don't know. No. I don't know. Dude, about people this. don't hear about what he I does behind the scenes. Oh. The okay, okay, first thing, most deserving. deserving. You said deserving. Yeah. Like Biggie deserve. Sami Zayn on this list is the most deserving person out of this whole thing. Look how much shit WWE has put on Sami Zayn. That's the most deserving person on on that was in this match. Was Sami Zayn. And there's no you can't say theory over Sami Zayn. The most deserving was Sami Zayn. Am I right or wrong? Are all those guys in that ring? In that ring. Who's more deserving for that title? For for the money in the bank? Sammy's more just a comedy act, man. Like, I'm not going to give it to a guy who's just kind of like, he's entertaining. I like Sammy Zane. He can I'm actually put, wrestle if you put him, if you give him the fucking... First, you take him serious thing, as a world champion. First thing, I want you to say, who was so excited last year for Big E winning the title? Because before winning the, the money in the bank, Big E was just a somewhat halftime comedy act. But he's got the size and he's got the look. Sami Zayn always wears a t-shirt when he wrestles. Well, last year, was he deserving of... He Was he most deserving of the money in the bank? It was Big E. Okay, I'm just saying. Biggie, yeah. I remember I said the wrong words, but either he way... He doesn't the always one who makes wear the a t-shirt when he wrestles? No. He wears a singlet. No, we're talking about uh, Zayn. Yeah, that's what I said. Sami Zayn, he doesn't always oh, wear a t-shirt. But that... Uh, the fucking General Castro look he's been doing for the past, like, two years... He's wrestled shirtless in that get-up before. Not, my, not too often. Either way, I'm happy Theory won it. We'll see what happens. Not Kevin Owens. Yeah, he wrestles in a t-shirt, but guess what? Kevin Owens, probably if he was healthy, he deserved it even more than anybody. True that. No, I, I wish they put I the just, title on him more. I'm just, I'm still flabbergasted at the word he was the most, or at the phrase he was the most deserving. I'm, yeah, no, no. I could, I could get behind him winning it because, like, okay, you have a heel with it. That's fucking drinking the Vince McMahon juice. That's a fucking snake in the grass that, right. you know. Well, then who, I get that. Him being the most deserving, though, no. Who benefited the most from it? Who had the most to gain? Whose character gets He benefits to the level? most, but to say he's the most deserving is a okay, poor fine. choice of words. Okay, fine. Whatever. All right. Poor choice Retract it. First thing, I think Sam is a... Winning it, and then he could be that snake in, like, with Roman. Like, you know, that'd be an interesting story. He's with Roman. Say, say, say Brock doesn't win at SummerSlam, <laughs> but beats the, the fuck, fuck out of him. And then and and Sami just like. <laughs> but is in. that is that what's going to happen at SummerSlam now? Brock doesn't win the belt, destroys fucking Roman. Theory and then, teased it, but I don't. Look, I think it's going to be an unsuccessful cash-in if you no, want us to pay. I'll say this. I. As much as you're going to say, all this is points to me is John Cena returns, 
faces this theory and takes the fucking develop takes the the money in the bank from him. Can we can can we have another little sidebar before we do our fun little thing? And, and the, should Money in the Bank go back to being a WrestleMania exclusive thing and not its own pay per view? Well, those you, me, that you have, event. well, okay. So since you have two nights of WrestleMania, you could do a women's and you could do a men's on separate nights. It just I I don't know, man. I mean, I think at the, at this point in the game, it shouldn't qualify as its own. A premium live event anymore. I made the case three, four years ago that no, it needs to be its own pay per view. It's blah blah blah. Now, mm. well, now that you've had like Daniel, every single person be a Money in the Bank winner already, it's kind of like it's lost a little bit of its lore. It's still, I think it's a draw. I think with their idea they had within the big big stadium, I just think you can't do it within the same night of a big UFC or boxing match in Las Vegas. And two, Las Vegas is always known for being a D or F town on, in a, on a draw. That, no. Now, to say this, to have money in bank, not in the same month as SummerSlam, because I think it's another, another reason why it didn't draw as big, but if you would have it maybe in England or have it to where it's in like Saudi Arabia to make it kind of like a bigger event, where it can be outside and make it a bigger event, I think you can still handle it. In this, in the states, you can't try to shoot to make it to be in the, the fifth pay per view. It just there's there's not enough time, period. But if it's like outside, make it an event like in Canada, yes. If it's in England, yes. Germany, yes. Saudi Arabia, yes. Japan, yes. Because it will draw more crowd, but. In the United States, small arenas, it, it's, it has to be in a small arena. I don't think they have to be in fucking in, in WrestleMania because there is two matches now. I just yeah, don't think... Yeah, you have two nights of Mania, to yeah, Kurt's point. Do you want two fucking matches? you want to have the, the same matches on WrestleMania? I kind of agree Yeah, but women's and a men's. Rams on that one. It's, it's not going to be the same match. I don't want it on WrestleMania. I want it like, at least... I don't think it should be like a year build-up to a person to have a whole fucking year having the belt... I think it should be like, like how it's now June, like June, July till, till before WrestleMania, and you know to to cash in. I don't think a whole fucking year. That, that's too long, and it's too. If it's booked right, it can be done. Edge proved that point. Granted, I he, understand, he, but it's, it's, it's certain people that proved it. The only two people that really showed like the whole of the year, and it was just like perfect was. Seth and Edge. Really, you know? But again, it all goes back to booking. You can book it and make it work if you don't put the effort and for and foresight into booking ahead, then shame on you. And it won't work. You gotta think big picture. I understand it, but we were also talking about WWE who's it's every fucking night something can change in fucking two minutes. Yeah, because the old delusional man goes in and... Oh, yeah. I was going to say, let, let, let's talk about that real quick before we jump into our, like, gimmick stuff. Because we didn't really get a chance to touch on this. The fact that uh, all the shenanigans going on with Vince McMahon, he's now stepping aside for a bit as CEO or the public face CEO. And now Stephanie McMahon has been brought back from her very short uh, sabbatical to, to take over... 
There's meetings backstage with talent about how, you know, like the rah-rah speeches, everything mm-hmm. like that. Vince McMahon, as this whole sex scandal thing is getting blown up, is making more and more appearances on TV than he had in the longest time. Just real quick, what are, what are some of your thoughts on that? Like, well, I mean, no matter what, he has the majority shareholder. He is the boss. When it's all said and done, he is head of control, head of creative. Final say goes through him. So if you just want to, you know, give me, they did the same through the steroid trial. They made Linda McMahon the, uh, the CEO. She was the CEO for longer than the trial because yeah. Vince didn't come back into that role until right around the time that they went public. Yeah. Or, or no, not even that until well, she for, until she ran for Senate. Then well, he had to do that because like he didn't want to lose the whole company. So if he gave her the share of like CEO of uh, the CEO, well, yeah, so it but it could have also it could have also been but one of those went, things where she took it or where he took it back after the trial. He didn't. Though. Yeah, I know. She stayed she as said, CEO until she ran for. What I'm saying office. is like okay, so now you have Stephanie Man as your current CEO. I mean, that's just really just a name only if you really want to get about well, it. Like, what well, power yeah. does you really have if you really want to get into it? Aside from being like, hey, we're going to put you as the face of the company in this sense because, like, we're trying to take the heat off of it. What do you think? She has all the fucking power. She's CEO of the company. He might be a majority shareholder, but then... He might still, also the board be of directors, her what to do. The board 100%. of directors still has to vote. So even if you have majority of shares, the majority of shares don't tell, say... His his say is supreme. You have a board of directors; they vote for all this shit. So right off the bat, like his power is in the boardroom is not there. She's right now holding control. She literally can tell Vince McMahon, "You're fucking fired." And just because he has majority shows doesn't mean he's in the company still. He's out of the company. He may still have shares. He'll be on the board of directors, but he doesn't run the company. That's the thing about this. This is like the whole sham about this thing is like, I don't understand what's going on. But first off, the shit that's going on in an investigation, it all depends on what the investigation holds up. And we'll see if it's a legit, if it's a legit fucking uh, uh, thing. Because technically, he's probably going to, how all the evidence been been stating, should be fired. And he's probably going to be fired if the evidence, if they follow true to the investigation. Now, this shit with investigation being on TV, the best thing for him is fucking go away. No, he ain't going away. He's messing mm-hmm. mad. He's fucking like because, all these guys. They're too big. Right their now, ego. Because right now, if you want to talk about viewership, and I haven't checked out numbers and I need to, I'll probably, <laughs> next time we'll have a show, I'll have numbers. But I'm going to look at the the woman female viewership and see since it's been going on, how the view, woman viewership is, is. Because you're going to lose women views. Dude, every Your fucking shit. Monday Night Raw is a women's main event. And you, you're showcasing women's talent consistently on Raw. I don't believe that. Yeah, you, really? You know how you know how many population for f- fucking Baylor? Baylor women's basketball team uh, was a good fucking team. Yeah. But since the fucking rape, all this rape shit that happened in Baylor, you know that women's um, enrollment in Baylor went down for five fucking years? Even though they had like a great team, their enrollment for women went down because it wasn't they if it they put the output of Baylor saying it's not safe. So if you're gonna have women and especially now in this culture that's saying that oh look at this this guy you know look how he treats women and blah 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 hey guess what if I if I had a daughter right now and she likes wrestling I'm like no you're gonna watch AEW you can't watch WWE because. 
that right there is like that's a bad thing. Once you get older, we'll talk about this, but you shouldn't be watching this because I don't have faith in him. I don't trust my daughter watching what he's putting out. That's your decision as a parent. But that's but that's how like a lot of people feel. This is this is can this is cancel culture situation now. You know, if there like this was like in the mid nineties, if we had the culture if this now, this would have happened at the height of the Me Too movement, which has since died down. You would they would have made a bigger fuss about this and the fact that it hasn't gotten that much as much as you think it was only in wrestling circles and not in the public icon figures of like major news media. To me, speaks volumes. Because otherwise he would have been canned. Or this would have been big allegations and all this stuff. But I mean... I also think, too, if you once he's gone, the WWE is done. 100%, yes. There won't be no... If he's gone from the company... Like, people want to shit on Mr. Man all they want to, but if he's gone, dude, that's going to be a completely different fucking company. I, I'll say this. It's already a completely different fucking oh, company. company. It already is. They're not... Like, I remember watching just something. They were, they were talking about the points for this, if, like, Vince McMahon left or whatever like that. They're, they haven't been a wrestling company in a long-ass time. They're more of an entertainment thing. It's all about selling merch. It's all about outside projects, movies, things like that. It's like they're not a wrestling show anymore. And so you could theoretically have anybody step into that role and kind of do that. And it can sustain itself. Granted, maybe not for the long term, but it could sustain itself for a while. Why? Because they see themselves as more of a circus than they do as a wrestling company. Think about it. They Triple H made a wrestling company inside of WWE, and then Vince McMahon said, "Ah, fuck it. No, we you, we don't do wrestling. We do entertainment." And he just fucked up NXT altogether because NXT came out to be a wrestling company. Think about it. Yeah. Well, like, it wasn't fully entertainment. It was more res- you know, it was more, more about the wrestling than it was about anything else. You know, I see, I see it more and more now, but there's like that South Park episode where they made fun of WWE and they did, like treated it like a play or whatever like that yeah, and course. everything. And it's like, I, I've, I've seen some segments where I've, I've, I've saw that comparison or like you could make that parallel and you laugh about it, but... That whole spot at the beginning of, uh, what was it, Raw or SmackDown last week, right before Money in the Bank, where they're all on the ladders and they're all in the ring. And they're like, let me tell you why I deserve to be the Money in the Bank winner. Blah, blah, blah. Literally. the worst, the worst segment in all of professional wrestling when they do that because it's so corny and cheesy. It's just six superstars sitting on top of a ladder with microphones like, well, let me tell you why I think I should. It's like... It's just, don't do that. It's fucking played out. But to your degree, the reason they stick with the entertainment stuff, because Vince always looks at it as an entertainment business. You make your most money off of entertainment, because technically that's really what it is in the grand scheme of things, because you're not paying an athletic commission anymore. And also, when the uh, WWE was at their height of their popularity in the Attitude Era, all the majority of the shit they did was backstage, talking on the microphone, segments, McMahon, Austin, what was going to happen later that night, The Rock with... The, you, you just remember the... All the behind-the-scenes stuff, you don't really remember as much in-ring work during that time. So, you can do what's most profitable for you. And WWE's at their most profitable. And if they can do it that way, more hats off to you, man. Now, mind you, the product needs to change. A thousand percent, yes. But, we'll see. Well, that's why you have AEW. Like, you you have an actual alternative. One, One is more focused on entertainment, and one is more focused on wrestling. And, hey, yeah. Everybody, everybody wins in that regard when there's choice and there's variety. But 
Yeah. I was gonna say, I guess, I guess we have our uh, our little fantasy uh, booking rundown thing uh, we're gonna do here, Ramsey. Yeah, let's get right in. Let's get into it. Um, we're just blending everything in this week. So, um, ooh, excuse me, damn sausages. Ooh, eating on the run. So I, I asked the guys to we were gonna do something stupid like um, do our money in the bank. Um, food uh, mascots <laughs> version, and then I was watching um, on the Peacock, and they were doing the Money in the Bank two point uh, Ultimate Money in the Bank. Bank two, and I was, and they did a caveat where they uh, whoever picked the the per the the wrestler on the list and that won uh, the booking. Got a money in the bank uh, suitcase, and they get to cash it in later to put their person over at any point into in the future, matches. In future fantasy bookings. bookings. And I was like, you know, that's a great idea. Because we already had this plan, and I was just like, you know what? Just give me three people. Like, Kurt uh, put three people. Randy put three pe- three guys, three men's, three women's, and three tag teams. And so, right now, they get to make their case for their wrestlers, why that wrestler should win the money in the bank. And then I will pick the, the person and they will get the opportunity future to put in future fantasy booking to put them in any matches they want. So it'll be uh, interesting. Uh, so let's start with like probably the, with the tag teams. And Randy, you have the world's greatest tag team. Give me your key points on why. So, again, I didn't realize exactly what the speculation or, or what the stipulations were for your idea for this thing. I thought, really, we were just picking who we wanted to see in a Money in the Bank match, okay? That's perfect. And so, I went with the world's greatest tag team because for their run in the early 2000s, they were a really good tag team. And the thing is, like, yes, we've seen Shelton Benjamin steal the show in some of the early Money in the Banks, but I mean, now we get to see Shelton Benjamin spots in a tag team format. So, like, like my whole thing with this is like, who would I, who do I think would bring forth a very entertaining um, Money in the Bank match that maybe we haven't really seen before? Like, Charlie Haas was a really good technical guy. And so, seeing what he would do with a lot of that being an interesting dynamic, but getting some of those crazy Shelton Benjamin bumps and spots in the match, I think would be entertaining. And again, like, world's greatest tag team, maybe not on everybody's radar. Maybe one of those things you slot him in a match like that, I'd be like, hmm, okay. So, I went with fun and craziness. I mean, I also had Lucha Brothers in there. We'll get to that later in a bit. Kurt, you had the Motor City Machine Guns. Tell me about this TNA team, because I don't know nothing about them. Ali Shelley, Chris Saban, uh, one of the two, if not three, greatest tag teams in all of TNA history. The two things, uh, staples of the X Division and the X Division's prime. What these two guys can do in the ring is just outstanding. You know, think, to me, they're way better than the Young Bucks. They're just way better than Paul uh, Paul London and Brian Kendrick. They're bigger. They're, to me, faster. They can just do it all in the ring. I thought it would be unbelievable to have two guys that could take bumps and just be your workers throughout the match. I think they could climb up uh, the ladder with speed and precision, do all sorts of move combinations that they do, work in unison, the uh, double-team moves that they have, very innovative offense. 
It'd be interesting to see what they can do with the ladders, man. I think they'd make the match really interesting. That's why I had them in there. Going back real quick to the World's Greatest Tag Team, though, you have Kurt Angle come out as their manager. You know, like, granted, he was still wrestling at this time, but he was also injured in some spots, and so he took on a bit more of a managerial role here and there. Having Kurt Angle out there potentially getting involved in the match, I think, would make for some interesting spots. Sorry. Right, Kurt, let's go back to you. And Do you have the British Bulldogs? I was thinking more, okay, so I love... You know, late 80s WWE tag teams when they actually had tag team divisions back in the day. And you had Dynamite Kid and you had the British Bulldog. When they were late 80s, when they could still go in the ring with Dynamite Kid before he had all the neck injuries, I, I, he was definitely one of, Bret Hart says he was his he said the best technical wrestler, best in-ring worker he's ever seen. And some of his early stuff was kudos. And just their toughness and unison. Same thing with like what I was talking about, the Motor City Machine Guns. I thought they were big and strong guys. They could pick up at the big boys, even though they were probably 5'9"-ish, but they were just big, stocky fellas. I thought their innovative moves would have been pretty decent. And I, I, and I think you can make the, the credit, too. You you know, Davey Boy, or Davey Boy Smith being the muscle of yeah. the group, so to speak. And then... Um, a dynamite kid being like your high flyer or whatever. I see dynamite doing like a fucking flying headbutt off the top of the ladder and all this. And they used to say David Boy being the strong man can pick up the guys. Yeah, that's kind of why I had them because I love them. They're one of my top five tag teams. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I just don't see the British Bulldog coming off with ladders. You you haven't yeah like that's, you haven't seen that but but that's the thing though is like again that that's kind of the fun with this fantasy booking like putting some of these historic tag teams in there you don't see it but like you put them in an environment what could they potentially do let your exactly. imagination run wild yeah that's what I like about it all right Randy uh, give me your takes on the Steiner brothers that so, you have so I mean the Steiners you you could. I mean, not even necessarily make a similar case like with the British Bulldogs, but I mean, you got Scott that would be the muscle, and then oh, you God. got Rick that would be the worker. I mean, I was going to um, put them in mind. They, they, yeah, the worker, all this. Scott, when he was so young, could do so much athletic stuff. People forget about that if you go on that. Fucking Hurricanranas like, and mm-hmm. shit like that. I mean, like, or Frankensteiners, excuse me. He's going to fucking do Steiner drivers. They're going to fucking suplex the shit out of everybody, and it's going to be awesome. Have you seen him in a tag team ladder match? No. Not so exactly. Fun. I think it would be cool to see them in that spot. And, like, I, I could have also gone, like, a variety of different directions there. I could have been like, oh, Harlem Heat. Oh. Legion of Doom, up, you know. I wonder if I feel old like, school. I feel like we've done enough, like, these fantasy bookings that involve those same teams. And I'm not going to shit on the Dudley boys, which they, they were on your list. But I also kind of feel like we've done a fantasy booking with, like, Money in the Bank with them last year. You know what? To, and, like, to I wanted to try to do something a little different with, like, the people on my list. So, you know what? I, I probably shouldn't chose them. I don't... I probably should have chosen another tag team over the Dudley Boys. Because, I mean, we've seen them in a gazillion ladder matches, what it feels like with, you know, Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. I guess maybe part of me was like, well, I guess I had to put a foundation tag team in there. You have to, you have to, yeah, you have to, in a sense, if we're we're talking about Since it's money in the bank and it's something a little different, (laughs) I guess, is it really different? It's still climbing a ladder to grab whatever title, prize, whatever you're going for. Tables could still be involved, chairs You're still going to have your spots in, which they do all the time. And I thought, you know, they work well with the spots. I thought it'd be like, hey, since these tag teams aren't used to it, let's have a tag team that's been in it before doing their thing. And I, and I feel like we've given we've given some of those other tag teams like their roses in the past. And we've we've touched on the Steiner brothers a good bit and talked about how successful they were. But They're my like, favorite tag team. Yeah. Co- compared to like some of the other tag teams we talked about, I don't feel like maybe we've given them enough love. And so 
It's kind of my way to be like, no, let's, let's show a little love to the Steiners, and that's why I put well, them in. Well, I loved your pick of the world's greatest tag team. I actually had to think really hard who the hell that was, because I've heard, not heard that name in a very long time. Did deep dive. So, Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas, I thought that was a very like good say, You get those Shelton spots. Because, again, I wanted to go with something, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go with people we've already seen in these matches before. And so that's just like, but Shelton Benjamin, like that's why I didn't have him in the men's. Like well, we've seen him. But if I'm getting, but, but, but at this point, I, and then we're, we're giving our debate while they win it. If I put okay, so if I put British Bulldogs power precision, you got the the, the uh, you got the power guy, you got the small guy, you get bump. As for the Dudley Boys, you got guys who are super extreme in ECW. You're gonna do whatever it takes to win. Dirty Dashley. If they are the Dudley Boys from the Dudley family, that would be my reason why I think because they already got the experience while they could win the whole thing. Give me your reason why you think the Steiner brothers and the Lucha brothers get to as well. Well, first thing, first thing, let's talk about the Lucha brothers. That's the last tag team that's the entry. Yeah. So we didn't talk about them yet. Well, no, I was going to say, because, like, Lucha brothers, yes, they are an AEW team. You might see a few AEW names uh, or, or people not even associated with WWE pop up on here. But, like, with the Lucha brothers, just a lot of the crazy tag team matches that we've seen them in been some of the better tag team matches that we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, that fucking cage match that they had with um, Young, Bucks. Young Bucks at uh, All Out was fucking insane. Or All In. It's fucking insane. Like, I, just to me, seeing Ray Phoenix doing the spots oh, off the ladders, like, dude, he can do everything. You got Penta that that can fly, too, when, when prodded, but... It's more the muscle, more mm-hmm. of the ground and pound yeah, kind of guy. Agreed. I just love that dynamic. It's, um, you know, like, look, let's talk about the Lucha tag teams that we've seen in, in WWE with, like, Lucha House Party and shit like that. And they're more of a joke. You take a guy, you, you take a team like the Lucha Brothers and you put them in a situation like that, they can at least put respect back on the Lucha name. And I think they'd be a more credible threat. Well, WWE did it, like, what they do with the Lucha Bros. So you had, oh my god, you had Los Matadores. Then you had Alberto Carrillo. And then you have uh, Andrew Garza currently. You had, uh, yeah, Lucha House Party. Then you have, um, god, they made the Mexicals or whatever. Like, it's just, they. you had these talented Hispanic Latino workers. But with AEW, with the Lucha Bros, I love Lucha Bros, man. I yeah, no, I, I think they would be a very entertaining addition to a Money in the Bank match. <laughs> oh, Jesus, funny as fuck. What? Give supposed your, to be, give, you're supposed to be, to you're supposed to be like defending your picks and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking marks are you. Boy, are you no, on Put respect <laughs> on our choices, man. I'm so, saying what it would be in a match. Like, giving you, like, the high points. Well, okay, you want to... Out of all three of the guys that I chose, if I'm going to give you my biggest debate on who I think is going to win it, fuck it, man. Um, I'm going Motor City Machine Guns, man. Alex Shelley, Chris Saban. They can do anything. They can do it all. They're fast, quick, and they can jump up and grab it. You don't understand how high innovative these guys are. They work, they're, they've they been a tag team. They've been friends the majority of their life. They grew up together. They trained together. You know what? If if I had to pick from my list of my three, I would give it to the Steiner brothers. And the reason why I would do that is because, again, because we're talking about a WWE concept thing. Even though they were two-time tag team champions in the WWF, I don't feel like they were really given the the push. Like I, I don't think the tag scene at that time was as strong as it was a few years prior to that. Like cause this was kind of like after the glory days of tag team wrestling in WWF. It was. 
I, I, I feel like, you know, their better runs were in WCW, 100%. and I feel like this would give them the push they need to really cement themselves as one of the best tag teams. I want to know who Ramsey's thinking, who he's got. I so, this is who wins the match. Because I can't get an image out of my head that would be fucking awesome. A Frankensteiner off of a fucking ladder. Steiner Brothers gonna win this. Uh, Steiner I, Brothers wins. That's how you would do it. I, mean, I don't know how you do it. do it. I just had just the, the pure fucking concept has we go, blown my go fucking with, mind. If we go with young Scott before he really started diving into the roids and the HGH neon, and everything neon else, neon wearing singlet, Steiner Brothers with the jackets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Frank. I just how you do the Frank off a fucking ladder intrigues me. I've seen Lucha Brothers. I see the Dudley boys. It's hard to imagine British Bulldog being on a fucking ladder. I can't. I can't imagine it. I, I love Shelton Benjamin. I don't like Charlie Haas. That, that mean like it's it's. I know he's a great wrestler. Yeah, he's but, more of a technician. But like at the same time, you need you need those Shelton Benjamin spots in there, and that's why I was like, I like more Shelton Benjamin than Charlie Haas. Well, yeah, in the mat. but I just tell you right now, like just the image of a Frankensteiner off of a fucking ladder, to me, overtakes it. Steiner's wins the uh, uh, the I'll, tag team. I'll do more of the debate, but also I'm going to chime in on just how much I love the certain wrestlers. Which one do you want to do next? Do the women's. So or the we're going to do the women's next, okay. and um, we're going to start with Kurt. I saw this name, and I just fucking love it, Luna Vachon. All right. Yeah, I didn't really like this one. But also, I, I like Luna Michon too. She was the first woman ever to be in a professional wrestling video game. They would be Raw. and uh, with, all with all yeah, the with men. Yeah, with all the men. She was the only female lead. And she doesn't get enough just do. They did do the dark side of the ring on her. <laughs> uh, I think it was a little bit tragic about her, how WWE did her wrong in the late 90s as the only proponent to, to fight Sable and put Sable over. Luna Michon was, dude, she was a one. Okay, she had the crazy gimmick, but she was one tough woman, man. Like she'd go in and at the men's, the eye gouge, and the rage. She was just crazy. She had matches with Medusa in WCW. Um, she could really do it all, man. She's crazy. I just feel that she's going to do whatever it takes to win. She's going to jump on people. Just, I could see her being like, I could see her being what Shotzi is today. I could see Luna being like that back in the day. So Maybe when not I saw, flippy, but yeah. yeah, when I saw Luna, <laughs> and I saw one of your 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 women's, a spot came to my mind where I think she could just destroy her. China. See, so like, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, like, I had China on the brain because I had recorded uh, the Vice Versa documentary that they did on China. Like, I'd recorded it about a month ago, and I finally actually got to sit down and watch it the other day. And I, I do feel like it's kind of sad how, one, her life played out yeah, post WWE. But two, I do feel like WWF did her wrong. 100%. And, like, the fact that they they tried to, at the tail end of her career, turn her into a diva. Like, try to have her wrestle more of the women. Yeah. That really couldn't work. They were just pretty faces to be in the ring. Like, I, I feel like it did a very big disservice to her. Especially with the crop of women's talent that we have now. Um... I know China wasn't always like the crispest as a wrestler, but if she had more of an opportunity to actually work in the ring, especially with contemporaries, that could go. I feel like she could thrive in a modern environment. But in this, especially, I was gonna say, especially in this scenario, being more of like the muscle uh-huh. 
Because as much as Ramsey was shitting on Omos being in the Money in the Bank match for the men's he was side, the giant. you need the giant that's going to fuck people up, maybe do a choke slam on a cage, China's case, like do a power bomb. I don't necessarily think she'll win the match, but you need somebody in there that's going to be a wrecking crew. Yeah, she's so, a la Luna, too. I, it's just not, okay, with being a giant, you could be a giant and have agility. But if you're a giant and fucking walks like a fucking Frankenstein, yeah, that's a difference. He's very flat-footed. I'll give you that word. Well, yeah. Very. China's very fucking athletic, yep. agile. She can move. She can do... I, I, I like that as a giant. But keep on this theme, I guess, because I don't know why, but y'all, y'all women's is how WWE wronged them. Your next uh, wrestler, uh, Kurt, is uh, Gail Kim. Okay, so Gail Kim had initially... Man, I don't even really remember her first run with WWE back like in the... Probably the Trish Lita, early 2000s, probably she had a run. I remember it, but it was very forgettable. It was very forgettable, and I kind of have a trouble... Done wrong. Yeah. Well, dude, okay, so she puts... Okay, so I, we talked about this, and I talked about this at length. Gail Kim, to me, is my top five women's... Uh, when did the women's list, she made the list, because Gail Kim, when they reinvented the TNA Knockouts Division in 2007, she was your inaugural TNA uh, Knockouts Champion. She put, to me, women's wrestling on the map. What you see in WWE women's division now, to me, Gail Kim and also Kong were doing that in 2007. Gail Kim reinvented herself. They were the women's revolution before WWE coined the women's revolution. revolution. So Gail Kim had this fantastic, phenomenal run with Awesome Kong. They were the first women to main event, uh, an Impact uh, weekly show, televised show. And she was just kicking ass, man. She got over so much that WWE re-signed her. And you're like, oh, wow, they signed Gail Kim. Maybe they're going to do something with her. They didn't do anything. They started doing the bra and panties bullshit. They started doing the lingerie. She, she was Daniel, uh, Daniel Bryan, Dan Bryan's girlfriend, girlfriend for, for a little while. Bit. She just got sick of the whole uh, male chauvinistic society world. We were kind of touching upon that earlier, which they were still doing back then in the Divas era. And then she said, fuck this. She just eliminated herself out of uh, a, a battle royal and said, screw it. And then she was gone from the company. But Gail Kim, to me, such a good, great wrestler. It's really a good pioneer for women's wrestling as you see it today, and she doesn't get the love that I feel she truly deserves. But she kind of does get it a little time. And keeping on the topic of what <laughs> WWE has done wrong, Medusa, Randy. So let's be realistic. Yeah, I think you really realized that, right? You're all you're less is hey, yeah. WWE done wrong no, to these women. Well, not well, one. not uh, except my last one, but and my last one too. No. Nah. 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 Well, like in the case of Medusa, though, like her time in the WWF as a Lunger Blaze, like who did she have to wrestle? Bull Nakano. <laughs> That's it, I think. You know, like granted, when she was in WCW, it wasn't like it was much better. Again, it, still Bull Nakano with another name. <laughs> but like you look at her body of work when she worked in Japan, and a lot of like uh-huh. the female wrestlers that uh, she worked with, uh, like Bertha Faye, Aja Kong. Bull Nakano. Um, no, like she just put on a lot of good, a good matches, a and I feel like too. if she, she's another one that I feel like if she Dude. had been in the modern era, she could have thrived. Was such a badass man. She was a bigger girl. She's probably like five foot ten, athletic, tough. She, you could kick the men's ass, and yet for today, I would love to have seen her today's day and age. She could fly. She could, she could do the technical wrestling. She was in a sense the total package. She had the look. She had everything. Yeah, she really did. You know that that it's like if you, if you had the modern crop of women, I could easily see her being a champion that could but carry my company. You said WWE did it wrong. Like okay, so they didn't really showcase the women's because they didn't have any women's 
that's what doing wrong. Right? Yeah, you I have mean, somebody and you can't showcase her, you're doing her wrong. You need to have more than one dance. One dance, exactly. Uh, so, Kurt, let's go with your last person that was Paige. I think it's one of the biggest what-ifs in wrestling. You know, not just, this, you know, for women for sure, maybe even men, you just think what if, what could have happened had Paige not got hurt. Um, she was the youngest I think, believe the youngest, was she, at the time it was the Divas Championship. So she was still NXT champion when she won the Divas Championship the night of the WrestleMania 30. She, they made the movie, uh, the WWE movie with her, The Rock produced. I keep wanting to say... Fighting with my family. Thank you so much, Fighting with my family. I keep wanting to say F is for fighting or whatever, but that's the, the worst <laughs> show. Um, her story is great. She comes from a wrestling family. What she did to get to WWE, being the youngest woman... She, she never won the the uh, either the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship because she got hurt, and then she had a she tried to make a comeback, but then she got hurt again when she got the kick to the back from Sasha. So they just were like, "No, no more. Your in ring work's done." But WWE, kudos to them, kept her on in a uh, but on a contract. So they kept her on much longer than they needed to. So they still paid her a lot of money to do that. I just think what if Paige had it all, man? Phenomenal technical wrestling. She was just outstanding in the ring. I just think what if with her, you know. Well, they the, talk, the kind of like the, the done wrong part for WWE is she's been cleared to wrestle for the last two years. Oh, what they, what they did with like they Daniel let, Bryan. Like, yeah, he got approved from every other doctor but WWE's so doctor. Like, yeah, so, like I said, done wrong is at the end. Because I guarantee you, once her contract is over in the next couple of weeks or so, I think she's there. Going. Yeah, they're, she's getting ready to be released and they're not going to yeah. renew her contract. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she, she doesn't want to renew her contract because. She wants to wrestle, and you'll see her soon enough somewhere. I hope so, man. I wouldn't be surprised if we see her in AEW. And I ain't going to lie, I saw this name, Brandy. That was one of my favorites. Dude, Hikaru Shida, man. Because, like, again, I wanted to go with um, somebody outside of the WWE machine. Um, When you look at, like, AEW's women's division, I don't feel like Hikaru Shida gets enough of the respect. She was... One of the longest reigning women's champions. I think she still is. I think she held it for a year. She, I mean, look, she put on quality matches. I feel like where she suffered is that AEW didn't really put her in a meaningful feud during her title reign. It was just like, oh, here's the next person we're going to offer up in a match on pay-per-view with Hikaru Shida. It wasn't until she had her series with Serena Deeb. And, like, that is still an ongoing feud. Yeah, like that's not, not over. But like their matches, aside from like the one-sided beatdowns that you know Serena mm-hmm. Deeb did to get over that heel heat and really put the babyface shine on Sheeta, like they've had quality matches. Like her in-ring work is undeniable. I feel like she could bring a high-flying element because like the question here was originally: Is it going to be Riho or is it going to be Hikaru Sheeta? Because it was like, oh, Riho could do, or Riho could do all the fucking spots. But then it's also, Riho is like fucking 90 pounds, dripping wet. Yeah. Like, no, I need somebody that's going to be sturdy. I love some of the spots that Hikaru Shida does, like jumping off of chairs or whatever. Now put a ladder in her hand and let's see her do some crazy she shit off of that. She does some pretty crazy stuff, yeah. She yeah. a kendo stick. She's tough, man, yeah. You know, and, and it's like we've already talked about like Io Shirai in matches like this. And, yeah, and, you that's know, why I whatever. Her up there. So I, I was like, let me see Hikaru Shida because the girl can work. I think if you put her in a WWE element with an Asuka, with a Becky Lynch or whatever, they could have banger matches. And I feel like if she wins the belt 
and cashes in and becomes a champion, you could have you could just print money with a quality of opponents that she could work with. She's very good in, the ring. in that main right event now. scene. All right, Ramsey, what's your uh, final verdict? Ah, uh, say this. I like two names on this on this list. One's on your list, Kurt. Mm-hmm. That's Luna, because I think Luna with with the what Luna can do with a Money in the Bank briefcase can be amazing. Oh, that would be fun to see. It's like, <sighs> she would be a good heel oh, Money in yeah. the Bank holder, absolutely. 100%. But there's to me, there's like two peep. There's two people that were meant to be in a Money in the Bank match, and that's Paige and and uh, Hiro- Hiroshida. But you know what? <laughs> Hiroshida, to me, is the one that stands out. I want to see her in the Money in the Bank match more than really anybody in this list. So, unfortunately, Hiroshida. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, but it was it was Luna and Hiroshida. Yeah, I'd love that to see the, Luna. That was the that. two that on me. But that would have been fun. The problem is... Heel Luna, ah, I don't know. It, it yeah. was a toss up, but here, first thing, go look at Hiroshida's cosplay outfits. That pretty much won the match. Oh, dude, dude, her, her, like when when she cosplayed as Tifa on, um, like like dur- during like one of the lockdown, um, uh-huh. you know, events or whatever, like this, like Final Fantasy VII Remake had just come out not too long before that. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody was in lockdown and like one of the pay-per-views, she started coming out like from that pay-per-view on dressed as Tifa. I was like, it's a girl near and dear to my heart right there. Like, oh, yeah. oh shit. No, yeah. but she's done some really good cosplays in the ring. Give her credit for that. Uh, she, she is a, uh, whoo! Some of the pictures I've seen of her, oh, she went, <laughs> and I have, and we've seen, of course, seen Paige naked and China naked, and yeah, but here is she, woo, she's fucking hot. That that that's why she. Won. Hey, that's the no, you explained Ma- ima- it. I'm sorry. I you explained it. Imagine the type of videos that Paige could shoot with a briefcase instead of a belt. Yeah. Just saying. You explained. We explained all <laughs> the attributes would make this woman great in the ring. If I'm you sure would have talked about their sex appeal, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. We'll, I'll show you that after. Sexist joke. Don't cancel us, please. So <laughs> we talked about. Like, I was just saying. We just discussed at like 20 minutes how how badass these women are in the ring. If you would have talked about how sexy they are. Hey man, ain't nothing wrong with appreciating women's beauty. I'm for all for it. Hey so man. let's go with the men's and very interesting, uh, Randy. You started off with uh, well, it wasn't. It was your last person in, but let's talk about Guerrero. Yeah, Juventus Guerrero. Look again. I didn't know what the premise or what premise we were going to be doing when we went into this. We were just fantasy booking a. Uh, men's money in the bank and I was like I need I need a spot monkey in this match you know like we've we've seen Rey Mysterio Jr. in this spot we've uh, we've talked about a couple of other high flyers but at the same time I was like dude with, with Hoovy Juice especially in his prime in WCW the spots that that the flips and the spots that that dude could do like I just think it would make for an entertaining money in the bank match so. I'm not I don't think he like this was not a realistic pick to win. He was basically in the match to be abused. Of course. Or to do some stupid shit. And I was like, eh, I can't put Sammy Guevara in this 
in this spot either. It's like at least Hoovitu did have a brief WWE connection there. Sammy would have been fun too, but yeah. Yeah, I, but I was like, ah, no, I, I want I want Hoovitu in that match. But I'll tell you this, I don't like I, I'm not I don't like it. I I like it. I like that pick because your Guerrero uh-huh. and and had a rivalry in WCW, and what you got me was, damn, one time why don't we do have a Money in the Bank future. WCW Cruiserweights match. Oh, dude. Like, the Cruiserweights that shit would shit. be fucking bananas. Oh, my God. But let's talk about your Guerrero, the great, late Eddie Guerrero. Okay, so I, I was, I'm still debating which Eddie Guerrero and Brian Pillman I want to choose. Uh, but Eddie Guerrero, I'm going to talk about this. But Eddie Guerrero, dude, the, the legend, man. You still see people doing the uh, the Latino heat, the shuffle with the shoulders. You saw Logan Paul do it at WrestleMania. You still see people in AEW doing the hat trick, the three amigos. Um, Eddie Guerrero, like, Eddie Guerrero to me, his feud with Rey Mysterio in 1997 Halloween Havoc was the best version of, or was, was the best in-ring version of Eddie Guerrero, because he got in the car accident in 99, so then he kind of had to, uh, change up his style a little bit, he got bigger, he was able to tell more storylines later in his career, I'll, let's just say modern WWE Eddie Guerrero, for instance, he was bigger, he had a really, he was still a good technical worker, the guy could do it all, man, you can see what he did with the ladder, he had a phenomenal... Ladder match. He had two great ladder matches in WWE. He had one with RVD on Raw, and he had another one with Edge on um, on SmackDown. The dude could do it all. He's Eddie Guerrero, man. He's gonna he's gonna lie, cheat, and steal. He's gonna find a way to get to the uh, even the Rey Mysterio SummerSlam match was a great ladder match he had. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm because on my original list, like I said, yeah, like, you had Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it was one of those things where Ramsey was gonna have his picks thrown in too. Because like we've done message. well, no, we've done this in the past where you know it's like we we submit names and if the name appears more than once, and they're it's definitely in. Yeah. So it was like I definitely wanted Eddie in the smash. So the fact that T and K put him in, I was like, okay, I'm just further um, further confirming that that's a solid pick. So so Kurt, you already uh, kind of gave up your second yeah, pick in was... Brian Pillman. So let's go ahead. All right, I'll. I'll Give me Brian Pillman. Okay, I originally wanted to do Flying Brian Pillman early '90s. My favorite version of Brian Pillman. The reason why I kind of watched WCW in the early '90s because I loved it was in ring style. It was kind of indicative of the, like I said, high flying. You know, not many guys did flying uh, cross body blocks. I mean, Ricky Dragon Steamboat did, but he had very good innovative matches with Ricky Steamboat, Jushin Thunder Liger. Good. He was a great in ring worker. But then I'm thinking. It'd be more interesting if he did the loose cannon, Brian Pillman. He had the ankle injury, so he wasn't all high-flying at the time. could still kind of go in the ring a little bit, but he was just crazy. And what would his loose cannon-ness do in that match? Whatever he wanted, you know? He would just do some crazy shit. So I think Brian Pillman with the loose cannon gimmick would find a way to do something insane to get over, get a spot or two in, and just think of something insane to do in the match. That would be really be talked about, let's put it that way. That I'd love to see the him hold the briefcase for. I like I like I like the, the choice. It's intriguing. There's a lot of different versions of Brian Pillman that you can use, and I like that choice. It's very interesting. Um, another guy that I really like. You guys made this one hard. Randy, let's talk about Swerve Strickland. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you, you you went with that pick next. Um, not like dude, Swerve to me is you know I feel like he was a guy that didn't get his just due in WWE. Like feel like he was thriving well in NXT, got called up to main roster, 
they did nothing with him for three weeks, and then they let him go. But, I mean, you can kind of see shades of what he's capable of in AEW now. Um, the dude, to me, is an all-arounder. Like, he's good on the mic. He, he's a good, he can be a good technical wrestler. He can be... Um, he, he can brawl if needed. He can high-fly. I mean, he, he is, in a sense, a total package. Um, he's got... In some, in some instances, I think he's got flashes of innovative offense. And I feel like the type of stuff that he could do in a ladder match of this quality, of this caliber, especially with some of the other guys that we have in this fictitious Money in the Bank, I feel like you could get some really good spots out of it. But, I mean, like, to me, he is a guy that, yeah, maybe he's not the size of, like, uh, you know, if we're talking, like, later Eddie or even, like, another name that we're about to talk about on the list. But, like, he doesn't have the size of, like, what you would think of a main event WWE star. I feel like he's the type of person that can shut down the naysayers and freaking, you know, excel despite not being six foot, you know, five, 300 pounds. He's, he's not short by any means. He's not short. No, he's probably, like, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, I would think. He's long, got long legs. He's got a very innovative style, which I like about yeah. him. Yeah. He does things you don't see other wrestlers do. Uh, I feel like what WWE missed the boat was a Swerve Strickland versus Ricochet match. That would have been fucking amazing. Yeah. To me, I think that's where they missed with the boat with him because Swerve, Swerve Ricochet, Swerve AJ. Um, there, there, there's a variety of guys that could work that kind of pace. Take, take fucking um, even Larry out of the fucking Money in the Bank and put Swerve in that. Woo, or, or or he could have some banging matches with Theory. It's like I mean, legit. Like there are several guys that he could work with on the main roster. That you know, like like Vince didn't see it because he was a Triple H guy. Yeah, that, that's that's some of the problems. Uh, Kurt, let's go with your last one and the most disappointing one on this list. From yeah, now I'm thinking about it. We're talking about this innovative. I push Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels is one of my favorite wrestlers. Dude. I just, I don't know what, what I just, maybe I just typed it in because I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to come up with three names real quick. Didn't think about it as much. I'm not going to hate on it. I'm not going to hate on it because if we look at ladder matches or if you think WWF and ladder matches, Shawn Michaels was a pioneer and innovator. I know it wasn't his match. It was Bret Hart's match. It was really well, Canadian Stampede's it was, match. They had, but they had like weird ladder matches from back in the day. If you want to do a history book, like they had like it was like on a scaffold. So they had like weird ladder matches way before then. Even like Canadian, uh, like Canadian, like Canadian Stampede, Stampede, yeah. yes. Uh, and yes, yeah, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart did have the first uh, ladder match in WWE. If you want to get technical, but it was a uh, they don't know how show, and it's on the ladder match DVD as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they put it together. Shawn Michaels also what he did with Razor Ramon. They had a second match. He had Rizmo in SummerSlam, which was a banger. I love me 90 Shawn Michaels. I think in that ring with those guys, I just would like to see him in a Money in the Bank ladder match, what he could do. Just his charisma, his he can just his cardio, his toughness, he can just go. He could do the high-flying spots. He, he do could anything, do anything, Anything the ring wants to do, he Look, do. he's been in every other, like, marquee WWE stipulation match that you could think of. This is, like, the one thing that he hasn't been I know, in. crazy. And since it, he retired in 2009, I believe, and they started in 2005, he never earned a Money in the Bank ladder match. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Shawn Michaels. Prime Shawn Michaels. Prime Shawn Michaels, yes. Like, 97, like, 90, 96, 97 Shawn Michaels. 95, 96, give me those two Shawn Michaels. I'll gladly see yeah. them. I'll say this. 
if you were to put Shawn Michaels with Marty Jannetty and put the Rockers into the tag team um, for the tag team uh, uh, Money in the Bank, I would have. That would have probably been one of my top three choices. See, see, but you took yeah, but but because Kirk sent his text messages in first, and I saw you had Shawn Michaels on the men's. I was like, I'm not going to put the Rockers because then that would be like a two for deal. And yeah, no. I wasn't even thinking that far. Yeah, you're right. I Good, point. Good the, point. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Text messages said put your three. Put I was half four. tempted to put a team like the Rockers in there, but again, I saw Kirk's list and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so on the last one, <laughs> Will Osprey, Grandy. Again, I had, to, I had to get one team that wasn't a you know wasn't affiliated with WWE in any way in there, and like I tell you what, like Will Osprey, watching Will reminds me a lot of like prime AJ Styles, just a lot of the innovative stuff. He can high fly if he wants to. He doesn't necessarily have to do that. He could just go in the ring if he needs to be ferocious, tenacious. He can do that. Um, just like the velocity that he's able to hit with some of these moves off the ropes and everything. If he needs to get technical, he can be technical. But just the, the sequences that he could put off, innovative offense, goes high speed. I mean, literally, I've seen matches of his that it's literally like watching a pinball in the ring. Like, it, I, it, it, and again, maybe it's just the whole recency thing of watching his match at Forbidden Door against Orange Cassidy. Like, he didn't do a lot of the stuff that he's very much well known for in that match, but still went out there, put on a banger match, and had the match of the night. Yeah, okay. So you go ahead and watch like his early, early stuff when he was a little bit. I mean, he'd still probably do it if he wanted to. But the good thing is he doesn't have to, and I like that because it's like if you see it all the time, it becomes like less spectacular. And the, I love what you just said about him. Like, yeah, he does. Dude, he, honestly, he really does remind me of a young and his prime AJ Styles. Like, it's he. Will Osprey is so damn good in the ring. It's just it's crazy that like we Amer- American fans stateside, a lot of us do know about him, but not as many people know about him because he's in New Japan. He well, you have to you, you have to seek out the video yeah. if you want to if you want to see his work. It's not like it's re- it's not like it's as well, readily available as like WWE or AEW no, or anything like that. It, to put this in perspective, like yeah, you could say recency bias because we just saw an AEW. But to touch on that, to make to make your point, when they had the PWI five hundred this past year, Will Osprey was in the top ten. I believe he was number six. Like, but he was in the top ten for sure. I know that much, and that speaks volumes to how far along he's come since you know since he's been around. And like, yeah, he's put on some weight, but he can still do the flippy dippy shit, man. He was doing some of those moves in the uh, the Orange Cassidy match for Forbidden Door. Yeah, and yeah, his speed. It's not like the whole match was predicated. It doesn't have on to that, be though. that. It doesn't yes. have to exactly. Right. And, and and like, and I feel like he gets a raw deal sometimes because I feel like he's known by a majority of wrestling fans of being. Oh, the flippy dippy guy. Well, like, and it's like no, he can do that. And that, and, and granted, in his early career, that was a big part of his shtick. One hundred percent, yeah. But I think he's matured and gotten better, where he's a more well-rounded wrestler. Yeah, because I I was never a big fan of the Oz cutter, which you know you see Cody do now, and, and like a lot of guys are doing it. It's a springboard cutter, which I think Osprey didn't invent it, but he was one of the first guys that I've seen do it for many years. Well, Osprey is number seven. He was number seven. Okay, I know he's in the top ten. Thank you. Uh, which speaks volumes, man. PWI top 500, and you got Will Ospreay number seven. That's a big deal, especially New Japan, somebody outside of AEW, WWE that we don't get to see all the time. 
you don't get that very often. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a big Wasper fan. I was happy to see him at the end of the list. I didn't even think about him. All right. So when I sent that text message to you guys, in my mind, I had two people. If I saw two names on that list, it would have been automatic winners. Go ahead. Let's see. Orange Cassidy. Really? Darby Allen. Huh. D- Darby Allen, I, I, that's typical him, but Orange Cassidy, wow. I have yeah. more respect for Orange Cassidy after the Will Ospreay match. There you go. But I also loved his stick. You, you can tell that he can wrestle, but it was more about the stick than it was about wrestling. But Forbidden Door proved that, yeah. Sure, the he can like, wrestle, he like can Jim wrestle. Cord- yeah, Jim Cornette, shut the fuck up. You know? Yeah, like, it was like, it takes two to tango, and you see what he's doing in the ring, the work he's putting in. It's like, a lot of guys, that, I feel a lot of guys have, have eased up on him because of that match. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because, I mean, he proved himself. It's just, it's, it's kind of like the same deal a couple of um, months ago. <laughs> I forgot, WWE wrestler that I always have problems with and finally came out and actually had a great match. I can't think of the name. Um, but I'll say with this list, two came out jumping off the screen. I do like Sir Strickland in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a ladder match. But out of these two... Will Ospreay jumped out, but just came a little bit behind Brian Pillman. Because mm. I'll tell you this, I don't think, just not us, I think in, in general, he doesn't get the respect that really deserves. And I know a lot of times we do a lot of fantasy booking stuff, but he's never really mentioned. Yeah. And I will say this, though, in real life, if the loose cannon had the fucking briefcase. That would be a fucking interesting time. Yeah. I'd love it. God. The only only person I would love to see with a briefcase with more cynical would be Eddie Guerrero. He'll Guerrero, yeah. But I'll say this, though. Brian Pillman will win the men's money in the bank because I just think what the prospects, what you can do with him, and even if you try to do a like put him into a, a match future, uh, Kurt, mm-hmm. Debt draws a line because you know he can compete. He's a great in in ring uh, competitor. He has the athleticism, so you can put him with a heavy um, like a, a like a Brock Lesnar, and he can probably compete. He can probably put him in some another match and with a with like an yeah, AJ like, Styles, and it'll be a great match. So I just think there's that is limited. So Brian Pillman will get the the opportunity for the future. So. In the long run, Kurt, you got Brian Pillman to go into one. another match. Randy, you got uh, Hiroshita, and you also got uh, Steiner, Brothers. Steiner Brothers. I can argue that one. I so, that. so I won two to one, though, right? Yeah, you won yeah, two to one. You won there, two thank to you. One. <laughs> so, but, uh, well, TNK won with our uh, Forbidden Door picks, which is surprising. So you went the first time TNK. You've actually won one of those outright. This year, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's just a It was looking sour too because I screwed up the first match so bad. I had Jericho's. No, I had the. Uh, yeah, Blackpool Combat Club. Combat Club one, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so in the future, when we do our booking, this will be an opportunity to do it. But I also think, like future, I think um, doing some matches or just having today, just looking at some of the matches, I think we can do a fantasy. 
a future fantasy match of just having WCW um, yeah, cruiserweights. I'm, I'm all for it, I man. Think it will be, I love you, Cruiserweights, man. So let's, you want to touch on anything that you see? Because I know we've been doing this. We're going to do a two-week schedule because we've kind of been, um, you know, things have been crazy lately with us working. Yeah, uh, I think the next episode, it, it's SummerSlam's coming around. That'll be the next uh, big um, event. God, um, SummerSlam's right around the corner, man. Yeah, like literally two weeks away. I think it is. <laughs> Let me look it up just to get the, the it final is, date. It's two weeks away. It's on the 30th. Jeez, peace, So man. it's, yeah. This is why, once again, it's like... Yeah, July 30th. How, how you're going to build a... After, right after fucking... Uh, um, yeah, three weeks, Jesus. Yeah, how do you build a... Um, a full... Momentum to the... Uh, um, money in the bank. To money in the, after Money in the Bank to SummerSlam. You, you, it's hard to build two fucking pay-per-views. They can't do it one pay-per-view. How are you going to do two in one month? Well, dude, I kind of felt the same with AEW because you just had your uh, Double or Nothing pay-per-view and then you immediately jumped to a Forbidden Door pay-per-view. It's a different concept because now you're doing it with another promotion. But with WWE, yeah, you just had Money in the Bank, which I, with you, I want to see it remain as a regular pay-per-view. I enjoy Money in the Bank. And if it wasn't for the fact that they did on a bad weekend, it would have got a lot more people there. Uh, but SummerSlam, which isn't even in August this year, because they want to give it enough time to build up the uh, the the castle, the Clash at the Castle uh, pay per view or premium live event that they're going to do in uh, England or Wells in early, I think early September. So they're going to pretty much take yeah, September it's weekend. And, it's, on August. It's it's Saturday, and then Sunday is uh, the AEW pay per view. Jeez, yeah. Just, so it's going to be that, that weekend, and it, once again. You're going into Wales, which is going to be great because now you're outside the United States and you'll get your big live crowd. Oh, the Europeans going to show but up. But here's the problem with that. WWE, here's another problem. I don't like... Man, I can't say I don't like it because I, I, I really shit on them a lot. But here we go again. It's opening weekend of college football. So oh, yeah. when Clash of the Castle sits, it should be like a 2 p.m. start. Um, well... 2 p.m., 1 p.m. start for... For us in America. For yes. America. Right when the beginning of fucking Football. kickoff. Yeah. The major kickoff games is going. I don't understand it. I understand it, and I don't understand okay, so it. I understand it from this perspective. It's like, well, fuck it. That's America. Fuck that. We're going to go to England who don't really care about American football, and we'll, they'll still show up. They, they, they're going to show up, but to see that, you know, thank God for the fucking Peacock. For WWE, because if this was a pay-per-view, this was not going to get the fucking buying. numbers. No, everybody's watching college football opening weekend. You kidding me? You're, you know. you're not getting the numbers, especially down, especially in the Big Ten, in the Southeastern Conference. You know, you're not. Well, think getting, about how many games you have that weekend, and how many tens of thousands, hundred thousands of people are going to be at those stadiums. Those are less eyeballs on your network because yeah, of that. Like I said, I don't. Have, I don't understand sometimes the scheduling part of what they do. And I know they're trying to be like, fuck it, we're, we're the WWE and blah, blah, blah. But you're never going to, you have never trumped NFL. You don't nope. go after NCAA uh, college football. You just don't. No. You want to challenge fucking boxing? Great. You, you try to challenge now two big, a big UFC card and a big fucking WD card while you're in fucking Vegas the same night tw- twice this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess you're thinking because people are going to be in Vegas because it's Fourth of July weekend. I get that. So hey, let's just do a show. They got it way overzealous and do it in Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play because they did it last year for SummerSlam, but it was their first show, big what? show since WrestleMania. So you're going to have your fifty thousand people show up for that. You're not going to have it Fourth of July weekend with it, all everything going on. And they were still struggling and going against with the Pacquiao fight. It, it, look, it stay away from Vegas. AEW goes to Vegas. Uh, you know it's okay because they it's they don't put that many events out and it's a an event. Yeah. They, the problem with WWE is it's every month and so there's not enough. You don't have enough money. We're in a about to be in. A, we're really in a recession. Yeah. There's not going to be the people that are going to go to Vegas for that. You know, especially when you go like, dude, we're going to go to Vegas. For money in the bank, or we're gonna to go to SummerSlam in Nashville. Well, dude, that's what they were happening with Nashville, man. They were having trouble selling tickets because, first of all, it's an outdoor stadium. You do, it's gonna be in the summer. It's gonna be fucking hot it's as fucking shit. Hot as fucking. And then you don't know what the weather's gonna be like. So you already got the heat exposure as it is. So you better not do a fucking five-hour show or six-hour show. Give them a good three, four-hour show. That heat, even I know Nashville, it's still gonna be hot. And really, anywhere in this country is gonna be hot. No matter where you are, people think it's just hot in the south. No, man. I was in Illinois about two summers ago, and it was like fucking ninety degrees. Yeah, and I think what I don't think they realize, you know, that can that can actually turn fans up, like you know, because Nashville is a fucking it's a hotbed tourist center. You're going to get tourists in there because, like, right now, uh, this last month was CMA. Well, they were having trouble selling the ticket or filling out the stadium. Yeah, you're going to have trouble because one, it's not a People are going to have hesitant, you know, but also, too, in turn is it's hot in June and they sell out regularly CMA Fest. Okay. But when but when you got CMA, CMA is just probably one of the it's kind of like Coachella and fucking uh, uh, Lollapalooza. It's the Coachella fucking country music. So people are going to go. People are going to be like SummerSlam. It's going to be kind of hard to, to sell. I mean, your Nissan Stadium, I'm trying to look up uh, Nissan Stadium's capacity. 66,000. Dude, they, I'd, I'd be shocked if they had, they're probably going to have 20,000. They're, they're not going to have 66,000. They're going to probably have 20,000 maybe. Then the question is like, are they going to do a big stage? Is it going to be kind of like, you know. We're going to cut off. Yeah, it says, oh, I'm just, wow, 69, 143, Jesus. Uh, but probably 66 to your point. I forgot they did expand the stadium. My bad. But still, like, <laughs> so you're going to cut off about a quarter of the stadium with entrance and everything. So you can still realistically, but you can sit on the floor. So you can still realistically get over 60,000 people. But the fact that it's an outdoor venue, but yeah, I. Yeah, where are the ticket sales at for summer? I'm trying to look that up right now. I, don't I know, know they were having trouble about a month ago. They were thinking about maybe going to a different stadium because, dude, we we're just touching on this. Summer. It's going to be hot as shit. But. But I was just saying, you know, we're gonna our next show will probably be SummerSlam show. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, or you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll come out with something. I, I, I'll say this. You know what? It'll be a SummerSlam. You know, SummerSlam is supposed to be like summery. You know, it's a. It was the WWE go-to summer show. Yeah, it did well. You know, WCW had kind of like two. Almost, well, you know, had, had Bash and well, the Beach. American Bash and then Bash American and the Beach. So let's let's we'll do like kind of like a combo, which was more memorable, memorable moments of all the summer shows. 
big summer shows. Like, we'll throw SummerSlam. Good to go. The road, road Wild, Hog Wild in there. Nope, because we, that's a separate show in August yeah. that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, are, we, are we going road back to the Wild. weekly format there? No, no we that we still got to do But Road Wild is in <laughs> August. No, no, no. I'm happy. That right. is a separate show. I'm happy Rams has right. got Road Wild on the show. Hawks. Because as much as it was a bad fucking top, it was a bad uh, money-making um, shambles for WCW. To me, it's the one imagery. of the greatest oh. pay-per-views I remember. Dude, the, just the imagery alone of like Sturgis and that atmosphere. You can't recreate. Well, dude, you that. already got everybody out there for Sturgis anyway, man. Let's just what what are we doing? What do we got to do? None? You got a wrestling show? Okay, let's go. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I, I, to me that that's just to me that's going to be great. But yeah, we just it's not going to be like every week, but. These are just the shows that we have left. It's just we still need to kind of figure them out. Yeah, we're just going to work yeah. and touch on them. Like I said, we've been, things have been crazy, hectic schedule. But yeah, we've been coming up with these shows at least, you know, hopefully every oh, two weeks. Oh, you know what? This yeah. is the real schedule. Yeah, I forgot. We did have three shows. In, yeah, August is going to be the um, Rhodes. We're going to do the Rhodes uh, family. Uh, someone do that? Okay. Uh, Road Wild. Um, future S- September we'll have Rick Rude. Okay. Uh, another show to be to be named. We'll do probably we'll do a gimmick show. I know. October. Um, October. I'm finally going to do the Impact on ECW. I've been trying to fucking do for two years now. <laughs> um, Halloween Havoc. Then in November we'll do Bam Bam Bigelow. Cool. Survivor Series, Starcade, and our end of the year extension. Yeah. Those are the shows we have left. Sweet. We have one to be named. We'll do a gimmick show. We'll so. figure something out. <laughs> so we can maybe get some cashing ins on. Yeah, I was going to say. Works for me. If not, we have a year to, to utilize <laughs> a briefcase. So. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, no, it's good to know that we have the shows out. And I do want to throw this out. I don't want to touch on another point. I know we've been wrapped up for a while. But uh, this Sunday, we're right now, it's uh, July 5th. And we're coming at the show. It'll be coming out later this week. But July 10th. WWE's doing their biographies again, which is nice. Get some more wrestling shows on Sundays. So, if you have cable, because I don't know how else you're going to watch it. They don't have it on the Discovery Channel. No. On, uh, Discovery no. Plus. They have A&E, but they don't have the old biographies on the... You can find you can find them. If you have Hulu, you can find them. Oh, okay. That's how, that's how I watch I mean, them. I still got the cord. I still got ATT verse, but... Yeah. But yeah, sweet, man. Yeah, we'll do some summer shows next, so... That's about all I got. If anything else you want to touch on, Paul. Nah, man. I think we're good. As I say, good to see everybody again. It feels like it's been ages since we've, uh, well, all three of us have done this. So. Yeah, so. Oh, note on, this was on, uh, as of June 12th, SummerSlam um, has sold 23,389 tickets. There are 11,261 left. That was on the 12th of June. Okay, I do remember hearing that exact statistic. Uh, called the Hollywood What Culture, one of those networks gave it up. So that would be like ago. almost like 35,000 tickets, 35,000 uh, seats. That's still 30,000 people, man. Shit, that's pretty damn good. Like, so the 30,000 30, in the stadium, they can see. They're not doing upper deck. 60. So they'll have yeah, find a way to close it off and not showcase it or highlight it. Maybe. We'll see. Be the way 30,000, they'll take it. So that wrap it up for us this week for another episode of the Raging Marks Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, TNK, signing off. Ravish and Randy, thanks for tuning in. And 
thank you for tuning in week every other week every week or every other month and this is rampage and we're out see you next time whatever that may be